Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Tim Petrop, here with Michali Mu, as he is known in the Petrop circles. Michael, what's good, bro? That means my Michael in Greek. That's what that is. What, that means. what up, Tim? Speaking of, speaking of my Michael, my fucking head hurts after yesterday. That's for sure. I don't know about you guys, but I ate, I drank, I laughed, I loved, I cried. I didn't cry. But maybe I did. You'll never know. Yeah. I'm a man. I can't admit it. Man, I was more stuffed than I've been in a while yesterday. I woke up this morning still not even close to hungry. I ended up eating again at around like 2 o'clock. Really? Yeah. Yes. This morning, I uh, there was leftover ham. So I went over to my in-laws. And just so you guys know, um, they set up a whole outside tent area. So my in-laws won COVID zero. And we had this whole feast. And one thing they did was they smoked ham outside with natural wood that my father-in-law like chops down himself and smokes it out. And it's the most delicious thing in the world. And they put, they put like pineapple juice and, and syrup and sugar and they reduce it. And then they pour it all over. Oh my God. So good ham. Um, and then I had that ham this morning with some eggs. And then I went, I've, I've taken, I've taken 17,000 steps already today. I'm 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 out here. I'm trying to I'm trying to make sure my blood is still moving after 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 all that. No, I woke up. I, I was like lazy and tired. I've not done anything. Yeah, so I'm gonna get back uh, it into is, it tomorrow. <laughs> it is definitely day after Thanksgiving vibes, but fantasy never sleeps even when you're hungover. True. So let's get started. We got a long episode for you today, baby. We're doing all the games in 14 one. teams. Woo! It's a little strange to me that it's week 12 full slate but then week 13 has teams on by it's a little strange 14 14 games michael 14 games yeah but two played thursday like it's a you said 14 teams well excuse me but like all 32 teams play this week but then next week there's buys it's a little it's a little weird the nfl schedule is definitely all over the place this this year one place that's not all over the place is right here the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast begins now. Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. 14 games, Tim. That's one four, all in one big, ginormous, giant episode other synonyms for big yeah i was gonna keep going and i just blanked I'm telling you i got i got turkey brain kid <laughs> um so let's get into some news because we are not usually a friday podcast we're usually a tuesday a wednesday pro- podcast that releases on late wednesday night on the east coast or thursday morning if you're on the west coast and uh so this is the this we, we're not on fridays usually so, but every th- every um Thanksgiving, we do this, and we're on Friday. So a lot has happened between now and Wednesday. Uh, Particularly this week, it's like, thank God we were on Friday for this week because so much has changed, Uh, more than you can really get from following us on Twitter, which, by the way, at Brodo Fantasy on Twitter, if you want to keep up with our uh, rankings changes, our updated thoughts, because as news changes, as any good citizen should, opinions change. So... Uh, if you want to follow us at Brodo Fantasy on Twitter for all of that stuff, please give us a follow. Also, BrotoFantasy.com if you want to see our writing even more. 
Um, we are coming out with articles, including our uh, sleepers and bus for week 12 that should be dropping tomorrow. Um, yeah. So, Michael, that's it for now. Patreon.com slash Broader Fantasy if you want to get an extra episode. Are you ready to go? I'm always ready to go, Tim. Always. So, so Ryan Kelly, uh, questionable for week 12 against the Titans. That's not really something that we should be discussing yet, so I'm going to pass it. Adam Thielen. This one's a big one. Thielen. He is, why do you randomly add the D? Do I? Randomly. You say Thielen instead of Thielen. Pisses me off, kid. Huh. Interesting. I have I had no idea until right now. I mean, how you come, mess how up names it? pretty often, so. Yeah, but if I'm saying a guy's name completely wrong, and there is no D at the end of his name, you're no, right. It's Thielen. Adam Thielen. Maybe not, I'm, I'm bugging. Maybe you that. don't do it often. Maybe you, you maybe you are it. bugging. You did. You definitely brain. did just do it. Turkey brain's right. going crazy. Adam Thielen. Um, <laughs> no, Adam Thielen is going to miss the game against the Panthers. It looks like because he was put on the COVID list. Um, what do you think? Uh, that's. We'll discuss it more in the Minnesota Vikings uh, section of this podcast, but. Boy, oh boy, am I licking my chops if I have Justin Jefferson on my team. Yeah. Uh, so just so the blurb from Jer Jeremy Fowler on Twitter reads, Thielen report reportedly experienced a false positive before the holiday, but may not get cleared from the COVID list in time for Sunday's kickoff. He's currently waiting more information and further testing before officially being ruled out. That's strange that they labeled it false, po false positive already. That's a little weird. Um, yeah, so yeah, I don't know. I, what's going on. Um, in other news, oh happy day, oh happy day. Nick Foles is hurt, not because he's hurt. That would be foul. It's cause Mitch is back. Mitch is back, baby. This is your. I don't chance, know why Mitch. it makes you like happy. This is your chance, baby. This is your chance, kid. You you didn't think they'd do this to you, and they did this to you, and now's your chance. Make them make them know to never bench you again, <laughs> Mitch. Fucking neither of these Mitch, guys are going to be the quarterback next right year. If Mitch Trubisky ends up being nice, you've never seen a victory lap until you've seen what I'm about to do to the world. If Mitch Trubisky ends up coming back from his benching and being fucking nasty like Vinny Testaverde or some shit, Tim, I will. I don't even know what I do if that actually happens. Like I'll, like <laughs> I don't even know. It's just no chance. But I will uh, tell Melvin, you this: Mr. Trubisky was a lot better in true throw value. His first three games, which is typically when it starts getting a little sticky, it's actually 14th overall. Nick Foles is 34th overall, so it helps the pass catchers. I don't think anyone that's seen the Bears play this year can argue that Nick Foles has been a better quarterback than Mitch Trubisky. Now, that's not that's not anything to say like Mitch Trubisky's great. It's just to say that both of them suck. You know what I mean? So Fair enough. Uh, I, I don't think that anyone with, with a logical sense of what quarterback play should be looking like thinks that Nick Foles is better than Mitch Trubisky at this moment. Um, Melvin Ingram and Casey Hayward are not going to play against the Bills, so better for your Bills um, weapons. For sure. Uh Kalen Balaj questionable. And they are saying that Austin Eckler might possibly play uh with the Chargers. This one we're gonna have to monitor because yeah. both of them are good plays, but obviously if Eckler plays, like I don't know. Let's we'll get into this with the Chargers uh more. But 
if Eckler plays, bro, it's it's hard to sit him unless you have some crazy ass options. Maybe I'm bugging out here, but I think it's a little shocking that they're saying he has a chance to play. Like they're not even gonna let this guy practice a full week, like with pads on, before bringing him back after this lengthy absence. That's that's the way I'm looking at it. I still doubt he plays. I know they're trying to get him to play, but I'd be a little shocked if he is ultimately active. I will say this. If the doctors clear him, and he's been in this system for now three years, he just got a big contract. He's been with the same coach now for this four years, for four years. He's been with the same guy. Um, I think that, you know, if, if there's a chance that anyone does plays without getting a proper practice under their belt, I think Austin Eckler is one of the few guys in the league that you could actually say it's a realistic possibility. Yeah. Um, Salvin Ahmed is not going to play. He has been ruled out. So the question is, who's getting the touches for the Dolphins? The answer might be Miles Gaskin. He might be available. Brian Flores says he needs to watch film in order to determine whether Gaskin is ready. I don't really understand what that means. But if Gaskin plays again, it seems like a good play. Yeah. Uh, if Miles Gaskin plays, I do assume that he's just going to be the starter. I mean, I don't see why that role would change, especially with Salvan Ahmed just out. Um, if not, I assume it's going to be like a Matt Breida leading the pack with other players mixing in. So, I mean, go pick up Matt Breida if you're desperate for running backs. But, I mean, if Miles Gaskin is still on the waiver wire, obviously pick him up. I'm not sure why he would still be there. But, uh, yeah, sucks for Ahmed getting hurt uh, at this point when he was uh, getting his shot. Um, Marquez Valdez-Scantling was limited in practice. Does He's questionable to play. I think at this point we're done with the updates that you haven't moved, uh, haven't heard yet. Let's go to the most important update. As of right now, the NFL is expected to have the Steelers and the Ravens play on Tuesday. Now, this is concerning for a couple reasons. For some people, you're thinking, hey, you know, earlier this year, the Bills and Titans, they played and they played on a Tuesday and everything was fine and it counted towards the week before. That's fine. Here's why I'm nervous about it. Because this is not like the last time. The last time, the Titans had their game completely canceled against the Steelers the week before and then had only two players who tested positive, quarantined them out, and then when they came back, it was an entire two weeks since they'd been on the field. The Ravens just tested positive yesterday, guys did. So it's just like, and including one of them being Lamar Jackson. So is it is it a guarantee that this game gets played on Tuesday? I think it's far from a guarantee that this game gets played on Tuesday. And on top of that, what do you do? If your team, if your league hasn't put in place rules that say, hey, you can put in a substitute player or whatever the rule may be to combat this, what do you do? I'll give you an example. I'll give you my conundrum, Michael, and then you... You could see what you do if you were me. I have Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson has been spectacular. I, I don't know if he's going to play. I also have Jalen Rager on the bench against Seattle. Seattle is a terrible pass defense. Who would you play in this situation? I'd wait till I have to make the decision on Sunday at the very least. And if there's no positives tomorrow and Sunday morning, then I'd probably roll with Deontay Johnson. 
Now, what if you're in a playoff matchup and that happens and it the game ends up being pushed back again? I mean, this is why this is why rules had to be in place. I think a lot of fantasy leagues who are who don't have the infrastructure and don't have the the previous like strong leadership and like relationship between between members, I think this might be a problem for a bunch of leagues. I really do because there's a lot of playoff matchups that are going to be or that are going to be decided on if you have the balls or not to start a Tuesday player, and if you did if that pays off and if you don't if that pays off and i just I, I i don't want for me i don't want my league decided like that for me i want my league decided by who has the best players and who picks the right players to play you yeah. know what i mean i mean it's a tough situation this is a a crazy year and we hopefully leagues like addressed something like this earlier cuz we knew things like this would possibly come into play and the fact that it's happening in week 12 for the first time since, like, week four, when you thought they were finally getting things under control and such, is a little upsetting. But, uh, yeah, I don't it's, know, It's, un- it's, it's unreasonable. A- go ahead. No, no, you go. I was going to say, it's certainly a league-to-league, like, there's no blanket solution here. You're just going to have to figure it out with your league commissioner, and hopefully it's something that makes everyone happy. Um. One thing that I will say, and I know Michael and me have a differing of opinion on this one, but it's not too late to change a rule in your league. Um, if like this is a different thing, I would bring. I don't know how your league runs. If it's just commissioner makes the rules and that's how it is. In my league, what it is is commissioner proposes rules, which I'm the commissioner, and then we vote on it. And if there's a majority, so there's 12 people. If seven people vote for something, then it's enacted. And so we're we have a vote today for this exact scenario where you can make a you could announce a substitute before the games begin. So for me, I would announce Jalen Rager and then Deontay Johnson would begin my lineup and would we just go and then if the game kicks off the Steelers game, phenomenal. Nothing changes, we're good. The game doesn't kick off, then the commissioner goes back into the other teams and puts their announced subs into the game. I also have Mark Andrews. I'm going to announce this up. Noah Fant. So Noah Fant goes into the game. Deontay Johnson. I mean, uh, uh, Jalen Rager goes into the game, no matter what they did on Sunday. And I mean, I think that's a logical way to do it. If I was you and I, and I was worried about what was going to happen in my league, I would propose this to my league mates personally. Um, that's why we're here, right? To give that advice. How would you deal with this, Michael? Would you just be like, fuck it? Or like, what would you do? So I know you said that we have we're not seeing eye to eye in our home league. That's because we didn't have this rule in place where you could have a replacement in week four. So I figure if you don't have that rule in place, then why should we have it in place now? So that's where our where we differ. Um, that's how I stand. Whatever you did for week four should remain now in week twelve. If you <sighs> if you use that method in week four, then that's the method you use in week twelve. If you use the Risk it for the biscuit method in week four. That's how it should be in week 12. I have Steelers and Ravens on multiple teams, and I'm pretty certain most of the leagues are just going to be that you either start them or you don't, and it kind of sucks, but there's not much you could really do about it. You could do this about it. I will I will tell you this. There is important to note. It's, it's important to note. This is not the same as week four. Week four, you had a team quarantined for a whole two weeks before this. And the reason that they played on Tuesday was to make it two weeks. So, like, it's a completely different scenario. Tell you this, if the game gets canceled, that's going to open up a whole other can of beans, too. 
Yeah, it is because it's the, these are the guys that are both in the top of their divisions. The Ravens are fighting for a playoff spot right now. I feel like at this point it wouldn't. Need, I I feel like it'd just be a Ravens forfeit. Like both teams had their bye already. It's clearly the Ravens' fault. I feel like it at this point it'd probably just be a forfeit, and then you can't really use any of those teams in fantasy. Which again, well, the NFL is, uh, very uh, frustrating for fantasy players. Yeah, frustrating is not even the word. That's ridiculous. What you just said. I hope that's not the case. The Raven, the Ravens. I mean, the NFL. We're talking about if if a game gets canceled and that canceled and that canceled game affects the standings. They're talking about going to an eight team playoff scenario, um, or if the season has to end early for whatever reason, going to an eight team playoff scenario. So interesting shit, man. Interesting shit. Yeah. It's like it's like the whole world, right? I'm, I'm, you know, I, as you guys know, I'm a teacher. I'm teaching virtually, and uh, New York City schools just got shut down. And, you know, we're making shit up on the fly as as we go. We're trying to steer the boat. As, as they say, we're trying to steer the boat while building it. Um, so that that's what everyone's doing right now in every profession. No one is, is prepared for this. So it's just going to be day by day by day by day. Speaking of day by day by day by day, let's go to Sunday hey, and get these previews started. What do you say, Michael? Oh, I'm ready, kid. All right, so before we go, though, we want to remind you about Party Belts, the official championship belt of the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. Go to PartyBelts.com for your championship belt and custom belt needs in general. This is a completely customizable, 100% cool-looking belt that not only comes in one-size-fits-all, but also has a nice couple of beer holders so you can serve your friends while serving your friends. Today... And every day, really, you can put in the promo code BROTO. That's B-R-O-T-O. And you get 15% off at checkout. Again, that's the promo code BROTO. B-R-O-T-O to get 15% off at checkout. And don't forget to join Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is the newest type of, of fantasy game where it's daily fantasy but it's based on props. So it's prop betting. You create a team of prop guys. You get points for what you, they do, and then you win cash. And right now, if you put in the promo code BROTO20, that's B-R-O-T-O-2-0, B-R-O-T-O-2-0, that will get you a match anywhere from, what was it, Michael, 20 to 50 bucks? Yeah, a match up to 50 bucks starting at 20. There you go. A match starting at 20 all the way up to 50 bucks. So you put in 40 and you have $80 to play with. Just like that, you've doubled your money. And anything you do there uh, from there is just kind of cake, right? So thrivefantasy.com is the place to be. They were the first to do this. There are some imitators out there right now, and I don't like it. I don't like it at all. Thrive Fantasy was the originals, and they were the better ones. So go to Thrive Fantasy. Make it right. B-R-O-T-O 20 at checkout. The sincerest form of flattery, imitation. Yeah, until that fucking imitation is on the fantasy footballers. Fucking, and and you're like, shit, it sucks. That sucks. Thrive Fantasy. It's it's more than just having fun. It's also just doing the right thing. That's how capitalism works. Got to do the right thing with your dollar. All right, uh, let's go over to the Dolphins at the Jets is our first game. As of right now, we don't know who the starter is going to be. Uh, Tua or Fitz. Oh wow! I thought you were talking about. I thought you were talking about Darnold and and Flacco. (laughs) No, no, no. I I don't want to talk much about the Jets. Is it Tua? uh, Is it Tua? Is it Fitz? We thought we had a pretty good idea that it was going to be Tua, but Brian Flores is being very shady in a very "I come from the Patriots" sort of way. Um, 
what do you think here, Michael? Because it's a big difference between the two in terms of fantasy. Yeah, the New York Jets are a team that every single week are basically double-digit point underdogs, and you'd think they give up a lot of points on the ground because of that. But yes, they're bad against the run as well, but they're even worse, like significantly worse against the pass. So even when they're down 20 points, opposing teams are still destroying them through the air. So if this is if it's Tua at this point, the people know how I feel about Tua. He's been a game manager thus far. There's nobody you could trust him as a starter for fantasy football purposes. If he's the quarterback, they're likely going to be running a bunch. But we've seen what Ryan Fitzmagic could do as a starting quarterback for fantasy football purposes. He was the number one overall quarterback uh, over the last 15 games that he started, more than Mahomes, Lamar Jackson, everyone else in the league. Ryan Fitzpatrick was the number one overall scorer, as crazy as that sounds. So if he is starting, he is 100% right there in my top 15 quarterbacks. Absolutely a streamable option against the Swiss cheese Jets secondary, who is was dealing everyone away. They cut Pierre Desir, who probably helps their defense that they cut Pierre Desir. Honestly, he's the worst cornerback in the league. But Legit yeah, that worst. defense, it's not like they're, they've been improving. Like, we're Jets fans. We know how bad the damn Jets are. So, it's if bad. it's Ryan Fitzpatrick, I'm perfectly fine with streaming him. What about the weapons here on the outside? Devontae Parker. Preston Williams hasn't been a name that you've cared about in fantasy for well, a couple Pre- weeks now. Well, because Preston Williams is on the IR, Tim. Talk exactly. about turkey brain. Man, if I make, <laughs> if I make like, mistakes like that, it's because I'm so fucking hungover. <laughs> and I apologize. Yeah, Preston Williams. No wonder you haven't mentioned him. He, he got real hurt. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I okay. So anyway, Jakeem Grant, boom, bada bing. He's been better. Um, how are you feeling about these guys? Because look, if if Fitz plays, then I'm cool with Jakeem Grant. I'm cool with Devontae Parker. There's there's no reason why not to. This is a great matchup. Agreed. Uh, again, Jakeem Grant becomes. I think he's a flex viable option if uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick takes over because he's the clear second guy at the moment. If it's Tua at the helm, I don't want anything to do with Jakeem Grant because Tua is struggling even to keep one wide receiver afloat. Like, beside, prior to last week, we were kind of down on Devontae Parker last week, and he made us look—and he we were wrong about him, but it's because he was not doing anything with Tua. Tua was not—he was just not a good fantasy option, and then he went ahead and he caught the one-yard touchdown. He ended up going 6-for-61, so it was a nice game for Parker— even with Tua, I'm starting him happily as a wide receiver three yeah. because he's clearly the what? guy at this point. For I would, I, Tua. I'd, I'd bet, you, I'd bet you, Michael, that he's he's wide receiver two or better, regardless. If it's Tua, I don't think he cracks the top twenty-four. I'll bet that. I'll bet that. Sure. If it's Fitz, I'm happily uh, placing Parker probably inside my top twenty. Um, that's, and I'm not even like, I'm not even like shitting on Tua. It's just, that's the way it's been. Like, he's just a game manager. Ryan Fitzpatrick slings the ball and Parker's his favorite target. So sign me up if it's Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, uh, Mike Isicki, uh, our, our non-love for Mike Isicki is, uh, very well noted, but this is a fantastic matchup with the Jets. Uh, I, you know, out of all, like tight ends, such a shit show right now that you have to like take what you can get in terms of upside, and I think Kasiki presents upside this week. Like I get what you're saying, but every single game, no matter what, Mike Kasiki also has ridiculous downside. Like, 
he hasn't scored a touchdown since week three. He hasn't been a top 17 option since week five. And again, this is all with Tua under center. So if Ryan Fitzpatrick is the quarterback, I don't want to keep just saying the same thing over and over. But I mean, but this it Mike needs Kisicki to be said. certainly becomes a more viable streaming option. Um, I wouldn't feel super comfortable about it, but against the Jets, it's certainly not a bad play if you're one of those guys streaming tight ends weekly. But if it's with Tua at quarterback, then I'm looking somewhere else. Um, we talked about the backfield as well already with Miles Gaskin. I think it's a good start. If Miles Gaskin plays, you play him. If he doesn't, you play Matt Breida. Uh, if Miles Gaskin plays, I'll probably like be like happily play him as like a flex low end RB two. Like I doubt he'll play and not get the majority of the snaps. If it's Matt Breida and no Gaskin, and then he's sharing a backfield with a bunch of guys like DeAndre Washington and company, I'm going to feel less confident. I think he'll be more of a flex play, but it's against the Jets, so one of them's likely to find the end zone, so sure. it's not the worst idea to start him. I'm just, I'm certainly not confident in anyone unless it's Gaskin. I think that if Matt Breida plays, all we've seen is Matt Breida, when given the opportunity, shine. I think that this Jets defense is so porous and so vulnerable. I think Matt Breida plays well if he gets if he gets the shot against the Jets. I mean, uh, I, I'd go. like to see that. We're uh, we're big Matt Breida guys. We're ba- we're Matt Breida fans over here on this side. Uh, let's go over to the Jets. Sam Darnold looks like he's going to play, which doesn't bode well for Rashad Perriman because Perriman's been catching these long bombs from Flacco that have made him fantasy viable the last couple weeks. Uh, how do you feel if you're a guy who's been who's been buoyed by Perriman in your flex or in your wide receiver three spot the last couple of weeks. What do you say to that guy now that Darnold's coming back? Yeah, it's upsetting because Perriman has uh, a solid rapport with Joe Flacco at this point. Like, he's been hitting him downfield a bunch. Even against the Chargers, he almost had a second 50-yard-plus touchdown, and Flacco just missed him barely. So it's been it's been nice for Brashad Perriman catching passes from Joe Flacco these past couple of games. Obviously, there's a lot of risk that goes into trusting a long touchdown. But now that it's looking like Sam Darnold is going to be QB, Sam Darnold has not had that type of success this season throwing downfield. So I wouldn't want to trust Perriman, Mims. Even, like, I do think Crowder gets a little bit of a bump up because Darnold has shown that he just loves throwing to Jamison Crowder. Like, he just throws to him repeatedly. That has not been the case at all with Joe Flacco. Like with Darnold, Crowder saw 13, 10, 10, and 13 targets. That's a ridiculous amount of targets in four games. Two and four with the two games with Flacco on the center. So literally not even close to the same. Uh, But now with Darnold there, I think Jameson Crowder creeps back up into possible trustworthy wide receiver three territory. I'd rather trust him as a flex in Darnold's return. But I mean, it's not a bad matchup against Miami either, whose most vulnerable secondary spot is the slot. That is very true. Um, I, I think Denzel Mims might get a little love in this game. He plays um, almost every snap and saw eight targets, yeah. which was more than Pyramid and Crowder combined last week. I just I don't really want to trust anyone in the Jets' offense. Yeah, I, especially against the – I mean, the Dolphins' defense has been – they've been very good, particularly against the number two wide receiver. So that doesn't bode well for Mims. But, I mean, in the game that Darnold played with Mims, like he, he saw him a lot, so – uh, there that there is something to be said about that. Let's go to the Jets backfield. Um, very confusing because you have a young draft pick 
in LaMichael P. Ryan, who not for nothing on the touchdown run made a nice little jump cut into the end zone. Um, yet what you're seeing is Frank Gore getting the boatload of early down work. Well, and and then Ty Johnson gets P. Ryan, P. Ryan is now on IR, so it doesn't even matter. I, I, look, I'm just I'm just bitching about the Jets. Let me bitch about the Jets, and then we'll get to this week. I just I don't even want to hear about the Jets anymore. It just hurts and then you got brain. Ty Johnson who gets six receptions. How are you feeling about Ty Johnson? I think that Ty Johnson could be a, sh- a sneaky ass play. I hate you. I hate you sometimes. I do though. I I think he could be. Nah, Adam Gase already said Josh Adams and Ty Johnson are gonna mix in with Gore because Gore uh, shouldn't be seeing thirty uh, plus it. touches. That goodness gracious. Just stay away from the backfield. Gore is the best play because he could fall into the end zone, though last week was his first touchdown of the year, as funny as that is, when he's getting 10-plus touches a game. But, yeah, I'm not trusting any of them. I prefer Frank Gore of the bunch if I'm really struggling to find the flex. Just the upside is so bad. One day there's going to be a 30-for-30, and it's going to be about how the Jets went 0-16 and and then drafted Trevor Lawrence. And then became the NFL's next great dynasty. Um, and this is going to be part of the – just remember this moment and remember that you're going to be part of history one of these days. Um, let's go over to – This is why to... the Jets don't lose fans despite being so terrible. Silver linings, <laughs> folks. Silver li- Look, I yo, Joe Douglas, not for nothing. Joey D. Bryce Hall's looking good. Ashton Davis is looking good. Makai Becton is one of the highest graded left tackles and is leading in the vote for left tackle for the Pro Bowl right now. Anyone who's listening to this, Brian Baldinger, if you don't follow him on Twitter, please do. He has tremendous breakdowns. He did a five-minute breakdown about Makai Becton just making Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram his bitch last week. It's glorious. That dude is uh, such a monster. Baldy's breakdowns. Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Denzel Mims looks like he's pretty good. So, and Joe D, I trust so far, man. He got two first round picks for for a safety. Like I'm, I'm with it so a far. Trash with safety. It. <clears throat> uh, it's, it's, <laughs> I wouldn't say trash. That that defense is a lot better. Overrated. <laughs> All right, let's go over to the Cardinals and the Patriots. Um, Kyler Murray was nursing a bum shoulder, but they're saying everything is good to go. We know that the Patriots like to take away a team's strength. So if you are one of those players, I mean, the teams who has Kyler Murray and has gotten used to him running for 80 yards and a touchdown, I would say that that's a stretch against the Patriots. Um, They're probably going to force Kyler Murray to beat them with his arm. So how do you feel about Kyler Murray against the Patriots this week? Look, the Cardinals just straight up took Murray off their injury report. So they're saying, like, we believe in this guy. He'll be fine. But all throughout practice – like, there were reports that he was still, like, nursing that shoulder and he was, like, getting it extra attention of things and, of, and things of that sort. So I'm certainly concerned by it. Like, if you're the Cardinals, you're right there in the playoff hunt. The Patriots haven't been the best team in the world by far. They're not certainly not the Patriots of old anymore. So if you don't need to, like, if they are leading the game, why make Kyler Murray rush the 10 to 15 times that he's typically been rushing each game or why put him in jeopardy near the goal line when he's usually rushing for one or two touchdowns a game so I'm I'm a little bit concerned about it I mean we saw against Seattle he put up 20 and a half points but that was his lowest output as crazy as that sounds he's been a monster this year 29 points per game on average it was also his lowest rushing yards in the game exactly and that's when his shoulder got banged up was right there in the beginning of the game 
Maybe it is healed up. Maybe he's good to go fully. You're clearly starting him. I'm I'm not saying sit him for someone, but I just don't know if he's gonna reach that 29 point threshold, which has been his average output this year. I'm 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 with you, Michael. As a as a guy who rosters Kyler Murray in a lot of leagues, like FSBX and my home league and a bunch of leagues, I'm I'm nervous about his output against the Patriots, uh, because of that. Yeah, don't blame. But him. we saw that Sean Watson and Houston in a very like similar type of of situation, mobile quarterback. Uh, they they tore up the Patriots. So there's also that side. Deshaun Watson is a better passer at this point. I 100. But By Kyler Murray's get, getting better. Margin. He is. Yeah, he is. Kyler Murray's getting better. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk. How you feel about these outside weapons? Since that's your take on on Murray. Uh, me and Jay. Jay's not here today to be upset about Christian Kirk because we are we are not Christian Kirk guys. And then he had that great stretch of games where he was great, and we bought into him a little bit. And then he's let you down these last couple of weeks. This is the last straw for me for Christian Kirk because all signs say he should have a very strong game here against New England with Stephon Gilmore back and shadowing DeAndre Hopkins. Christian Kirk should get a ton of work, and it's not like the New England secondary has been good this year. Their defense is actually near the bottom in all efficiency ratings and such. And Christian Kirk should be targeted a bunch, especially with Larry Fitzgerald out too. Like, I don't think Christian Kirk is going to move to the slot more or anything like that. Maybe a couple extra times. Maybe I, I assume Andy Isabella is just going to take Larry Fitzgerald's spot. But I could see Christian Kirk getting one or two more targets because of it. So I'm trusting Christian Kirk as a wide receiver three one more time this week. If he lets you down again, then... There's there's no way you could start him going forward until something changes. Mal and I uh, talk about the PFF wide receiver cornerback um, matchup chart. It's it's pretty good because it gives you the grades of both guys to see how they match up. Right now, Christian Kirk is at a minus thirty percent advantage to J.C. Jackson, who's been good in the in New England. So that there is something to be said about that. J.C. Jackson like, has been. Very good. I just assume Christian Kirk's going to get a lot of work with Gilmore shadowing Deion. Like, still, I know J.C. Jackson has been great. I still prefer that matchup than I do Stephon Gilmore. And obviously, you're starting DeAndre Hopkins. Like, I'm not saying sit DeAndre Hopkins because of the matchup. Right, right, right. But I do think there is something to say that Christian Kirk, without Larry Fitzgerald, might get more work. But I do agree. J.C. Jackson has been a very solid player this year. But this is why I'm uh, I'm also hesitant on Christian Kirk. Like I'm not trusting him as more than like a wide receiver three flex play. I don't mind if you leave him on your bench this time around with the way he's been going. How do you feel about this um this backfield here? Uh, we've we've now it's been defined. Chase Edmonds is the Austin Eckler to uh, Kenyon Drake's. I can't even say. Melvin Gordon, because Melvin Gordon got work in the passing game. Kenyon Drake is just the, the early down back, and and Drake, I mean, Edmonds is the pass catching back. Can you start both of them in this game? New England, it is to it is something to be said that in Football Outsider stat, the DVOA, which measures efficiency, as of right now, they have New England as the second to last team in terms of efficiency against the pass-catching running back out of the backfield. And 
that's all that's second to last only to Detroit, who is incredibly bad. And in terms of how they measure it, them and Detroit are kind of on the same level, and then Philly is very far is in a very far 30th position. So if if we're looking at this matchup and saying Detroit, if they were wearing Lions decals on their helmets, we would say, hey, Chase Edmonds is a good play here. Uh, but these are the New England Patriots. So what do you think? I'm all aboard the Kenyon Drake train this week. And it's because he got 11 rushes last week, only 29 yards, but he got the red zone rush. He scored the touchdown, which might happen again this week. Like we were saying, we're a little scared off about Kyler Murray's shoulder. Typically, Kenyon Drake isn't rushing in two-yard touchdowns, but he did last week. They, uh, Kyler Murray actually handed it off. He didn't do a play action, then walk to the outside untouched because teams, for some reason, fall for it every damn time. Uh, but that's what happened. Kenyon Drake had the two-yard touchdown rush, and the sweetest part about last week, this came out of nowhere. Kenyon Drake has not seen more than two targets in any game this year. He saw five targets last week against Seattle. Four receptions, 31 yards. He ended with 15 touches on the touchdown, and Chase Edmonds, who it was basically 50-50 snap split, but he only saw two rushes. He had four receptions. He did also catch a touchdown, which made him usable but as we've seen with Chase Edmonds he's more of a touchdown dependent option as the pass catching guy because he'll get you flex territory numbers but unless he finds the end zone his upside is pretty limited like I'm I'm just I'm not a huge fan of playing running backs that are hugely dependent on one section of a game like we've seen that the Cardinals are going to keep Kenyon Drake involved he's going to be used on the early downs like no matter what's going on chase edmonds more so like he'll get more work if they're trailing but i also i really don't see the cardinals having much problem with the patriots here so i really think this is more of a Kenyon drake game than it is a chase edmonds game interesting so let's go over to the patriots side so you're not i know a bunch of people who are like hey cam newton against the cardinals defense that has been really bad against the quarterback now their numbers look better than they actually are because they played shitty quarterbacks when they play good quarterbacks they tend to struggle. The question is, is Cam Newton a good quarterback? I know, Michael, you have a very strong opinion about that. So how do you grade Cam Newton here? Yeah, Cam Newton is not a good quarterback. I mean, he's he has improved, quote-unquote, over the last two weeks to 33rd in true throw value. Whoa. That's ahead of guys like Nick Foles, Drew Locke, and Andy Dalton. So let's not get ahead of ourselves and Sam Darnold. But guess what? Cam Newton, for whatever reason isn't running as much anymore either. And that is a terrible thing for fantasy purposes. He had six rushing yards last week against Houston. That's not okay. Like, he's not going to throw for 300-plus yards every game. Yet, last week was the first time since week two that he threw for over 300 yards. In fact, it's only the third game of the season where he threw for over 175 yards. So last week is not a typical Cam Newton game. He had 21 rushing yards the week prior to that, 16 rushing yards the week prior to that. Like those are these are not numbers to chase. I'm very low on Cam Newton this week. I I have him as my QB 16. ECR has him at QB 11. He's a terrible passer who's using his legs less and less effectively. So I'm really not chasing that at all going into Sunday. Are you chasing any of the options? Um Bird, uh Jacoby Myers, both of these guys, you didn't even know who they were before the year. Probably, maybe you heard of Demir Bird before, but uh, are you ch- are you chasing them? Because last year, last week it was Bird. The last three weeks it was Myers. Either way, there's been a really good wide receiver coming out of New England. 
No chance at all. It is really? now a, a three-headed wide receiver team with Nikhil Harry, Demir Bird, and Jacoby Myers. Right when everyone thinks they can start trusting Jacoby Myers, we told you to not trust him. He goes and gets three targets in a game where Cam Newton throws for over 300 yards. Demir Bird, like you said, seven targets, over 100 yards. And Nikhil Harry had eight targets, led the team in targets on the outside. Like Jacoby Myers started moving into the slot more with Nikhil Harry's return. But Cam Newton has targeted the outside guy the most, which is why Jacoby Myers was having success when he was like the only guy on the field. So I am not interested in a single Patriots pass catcher as I have not been basically the entire season because their ceilings are just so low. Like last week, again, similar to week two, is more an anomaly than anything that you could expect to keep happening. That backfield, uh, the pass-to-catching work in the backfield is not as murky as it once was. I think James White becomes a better play. We talked about it. I would be fine with James White in your flex spot this week. I think it's a good good play. Um, in terms of Harris and Michelle, I, I, I want to say that I want to stick with Damian Harris, but at the same time, I just know who Bill Belichick is. So... Is it going to be the Damian Harris slash James White show, or is Sony Michelle going to see enough carries to really like damage the fantasy viability of Harris? What do you think, Mike? Yeah, Sony Michelle was inactive last week, so even if he is active this week, I don't really think he takes much of the work away from Harris. I mean, Rex Burkhead is out the year now, so even if Michelle steals four, five carries. That's basically what Rex Burkhead was stealing anyways. I'm not a big New England backfield proponent, as you all know, but Damian Harris has just been a very good running back this season. Like, he's very successful running back on the ground. It's not like the Patriots have had much success rushing this season. It was when Damian Harris joined the fold that they actually started having some early down rushing success. So I'm okay trusting him as a lower-end RB2 here, and I do agree that with Rex Burkhead gone, James White, once again, has the uh, pass-catching game on lock in that backfield. So I do agree that he has some flex appeal. I just, I don't, I don't, I've never really liked playing James White because he has such a limited upside. Like, he scores a touchdown, maybe he'll get you 14 or so points. Otherwise, he'll, he'll likely get you like 8 to 10. I just, I'm not a big fan of playing guys like that, but if you're in a pinch, you need someone to stick in your flex because you're really struggling. It's not the worst option. Um, let's go on to our next game. Unless there's anyone you want to talk about. Nope. In this. Nope. All right, let's go on to the next game. The Panthers at the Vikings. Michael, I'm going to give you, uh, I want you to complete this sentence. All right. Fun. I like games. Uh, it's not exactly complete the sentence, but <laughs> I, I, I don't know how to, how to preface this correctly. Michael, close your ears. I got to tell the people for real, like close your ears. You want me to like take I'm, my I'm headphones off? Yeah, just like plug your ears and I'm going to count you down five, four, three, two, one with my hands over the screen. Jeez Louise. All right. Headphones are coming off. All right. So Terry McLaurin and Will Fuller are on this list, but they played. So I'm not counting them. All right. I'm back. I have no idea what you said. All right. <laughs> Finish this sentence. DeAndre Hopkins. Stefan Diggs. Travis Kelsey, blank, DK Metcalf. These are the top five receivers in the league in terms of yards. Who's missing? Justin Jefferson? No, Justin Jefferson is actually right Adam underneath. Thielen. 
Nope. Really? Really? I don't know. I'm blanking. Robbie Anderson? DJ Moore. DJ Moore. Okay. DJ Moore (laughs) right now. Is sixth in the league. If you so, what I told the people was, Crazy. I left Will Fuller and Terry McLaurin off this list because they played already this week, so they have eleven games played to the rest of these guys ten. Um, he's been that good so far, and he's been turning up lately. And in this matchup against the Vikings, who are very porous in terms of defense and especially pass defense, you gotta like all three of these receivers, no? So I, I agree with you that DJ Moore has been, like, for all the shit that he's gotten this year, he's been good. It's just he's been so ridiculously inconsistent. Like, yeah, last week he was wide receiver 8. The week prior he was wide receiver 13. Scored over 18 points in each game. You 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 got to love that. Prior to that, he was the wide receiver 82. Prior to that, the wide receiver Ugh. 51. Ugh. Like, that's just how this Panthers offense rolls. So... DJ Moore every single week, no matter what, is a wild card, and you have to treat him as such. I don't, I don't, I don't. I'm not saying don't start him, but I'm not going to treat him as like a top twenty option as he's being ranked. I have him at wide receiver twenty five. It's a great matchup against Minnesota, but we really never know what games. It seems the games where it seems like it's going to be a tough passing matchup, he goes in. The games where it seems like he's going to struggle, he sucks, like or vice versa. So, I mean, like against Chicago, he went 5 for 93 in a game where it seems like he's going to be bad because it's a very difficult matchup for receivers. And then against Atlanta, he only goes 2 for 55. Like, it's it's very hard to predict what's going on in that Carolina offense. But at this point, you kind of have to start him in here against Minnesota. So You got to start all three of them, no? So, I actually tweeted today, Curtis Samuel has been a top 12 receiver, a top 10 receiver three of the last four weeks, top 22 four of the last five weeks. In that span, Robbie Anderson has not been a top 30 receiver even once. So why is Robbie Anderson consistently just ranked significantly higher than Curtis Samuel? Opportunity. But it's stupid. I think... uh, just to just to put it in one word, it's opportunity because he's still getting almost nine targets a game. Yes, but Curtis Samuel is getting more of the touches that matter. And Curtis Samuel is getting almost as many touches at this point. He has nine, five, and ten targets over these last three weeks and seven rush attempts. That's 24 targets and seven rush attempts in three games. Robbie Anderson does not get rush attempts, and in those three games... He has 28 targets. So he, Curtis Samuel at this point is just as involved in, as Robbie Anderson in that offense, except he's also getting rushes and the targets that matter. So as Jason did last week, I'm ranking Curtis Samuel as the highest Panther because he has been by far the most trustworthy of late. He had that really bad game against Tampa. He only put up three fantasy points. But he has been a wide receiver one three of the last four weeks and was wide receiver 22 the week prior to that. He keeps getting the red zone looks. He has five touchdowns over the last five weeks. In a great game against Minnesota, I'm trusting Curtis Samuel. I have him one spot ahead of DJ Moore. I have Samuel at 24 for transparency purposes, Moore at 25, and Robbie Anderson at 34. 
Because at this point, I don't see how you could possibly rank Robbie Anderson. I don't care what the matchup says inside the top 30 because that has not happened since week five. And Moore and Samuel just continue to be the bigger producers. According to PFF and according to Football Outsiders, Robbie Anderson is in the best position to succeed this weekend. Yeah, they say that every single week, though. I, I'm i not saying that they're right or wrong. I'm just presenting the information. You decide what you want to do with it. I like decide good, like that I do not care. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey might play. Uh, if that eh. guy plays, definitely start him. Um, but if Mike Davis plays, I think it's a good start, too. Uh, so Mike Davis was actually sneak peek. He's going to be my bu- my bust of the sleeper Ooh. Uh, and bust. I don't want to give away the entire article because I want you to read the article. But basically, he has. But basically, all but, here are all my notes. He has all but lost his pass catching work in that offense. He's been very inefficient, and the Minnesota defense has given up yards to running backs, which is where most of the fantasy points have coming from. Not necessarily touchdowns, only seven rushing touchdowns. They are of the top 15 teams against opposing running backs. They are the only team to have allowed over 1,000 rushing yards. So they are giving up yards more than they are giving up touchdowns. And Mike Davis has been buoyed by touchdowns over these last five weeks. He's been a top 20 running back in the games where he scored a touchdown in each. Otherwise, he's been outside the top 30. So I'm not trusting him in a game where it seems more difficult for him to find the end zone as anything more than like a lower end RB2. He's being ranked, like his current expert consensus ranking is RB10. I think that's far too high. Let's go over to the, oh, how about Teddy Bridgewater? You, uh, There's no way I'm starting Teddy Bridgewater. Are you kidding me? You're asking me about Teddy Bridgewater? Against Minnesota, dude. Coming off an injury where he's not even like, you don't even know if he's fully healed? Yeah, I'm not starting him. Uh, No, thank you. I'd be okay with him streaming this game. Then go ahead and do it. How about this, Michael? Teddy Bridgewater... Top 15 quarterback. Oh, I'll absolutely take that. I have him as my QB 20 this week. All right, let's do it. All right, that's our second bet of the day. I like it. I like it. Uh, This is going to be a long episode. (laughs) Stick around. But me and Michael had a turkey bowl yesterday, and one of us won, and one of us didn't. We'll tell you who did. You know, but it's got to be at the end, so strap in. We mentioned... How much you love Justin Jefferson if Adam Thielen doesn't play? Um, do you still have love for him if he does? I mean, look, at this point, Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, they've shown the downside in starting them uh, in games where they have where the Vikings lead and just run it down the opponent's throats with uh, Dalvin Cook. So there's always that inherent risk in starting both that, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. Unfortunately, that's that's not going to happen in this game. Well, you never know. Uh, but I mean, with that being said, you can't sit them at this point. I mean, Adam Thielen has back-to-back games as a top ten receiver, and Justin Jefferson each week just keeps showing that he is far beyond his years as an absolute stud already. He's also a top fifteen receiver over these past two weeks, and Kirk Cousins. It's the cool thing to just shit on Kirk Cousins, but man, oh man, has this guy been on a roll lately. Like, yeah. his true throw value now is third in the league. He's right behind Russell Wilson and just barely behind Aaron Rodgers. Like, every single time Kirk Cousins drops back to pass, he is throwing a more efficient pass than Patrick Mahomes is. 
that's that's what's happening right now. So you have to start Thielen and Jefferson in a good matchup here against Carolina. Just for the record, Carolina is a three and a half point underdog on the road with a fifty one and a half point over under. Um I'd take Carolina in that in that I'm not gonna lie. I would take Carolina. Um if, I gotta say though, if Adam Thielen sits, Justin Jefferson's a maybe even a top five option because Irv Smith is also out. So that literally yep. just leaves Justin Jefferson, Olabisi Johnson, and Kyle Rudolph. They like if you're if you tell me Justin Jefferson's gonna see ten targets, the only two times this year that he's seen ten targets or more, he's ended as the wide receiver one and wide receiver fourteen. The time where he saw nine targets, he was the wide receiver two. So yeah, I'm all aboard the Justin Jefferson train if Adam Thielen sits as like a top five set it and forget it option. Um, Dalvin Cook, speaking of top five, set it and forget it options. Um, of course, is there of really, course. Yeah, is there really anything else to be said? Play him, play him with the utmost confidence. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in the world, he's at though, this point, he's like the the main guy that you just have to play every week, no matter what. Like he's even surpassed Alvin Kamara in the pecking order of this guy's an absolute animal, and you must start him. Tied for sixth worst, sixth worst in the league in yards per carry. As well are the Panthers in terms of uh, rushing defense. So if that also gives you any more oomph, they've also given up three uh, three runs of forty or more yards, which is tied for second worst uh, in the league. So uh, that's what Dalvin Cook specializes in. So you know it's a, it's a, it's always a great day to be a manager of Dalvin Cook. And it could be an even better one. Let's go over to our next game. If there's no one else you want to talk about here. Uh, I think we are good to go on to the next game, Tim. Let's go over to the next game. It is the Browns at the Jaguars. The serendipitous Brown season continues as they get the Jaguars while they are 7-3, and three, while they're coming off some big wins. They will not be playing in the rain for the first time in about four weeks. It's like rain. But they will- <laughs> they will be playing against a team that is uh, completely vulnerable in all ways, particularly on the ground. Mike Glennon, baby. Kareem Hunt is going to play and do well, and Nick Chubb is going to play and do well. Don't even think about it. Start these two. Yeah. Uh, nothing really to say there besides the fact that Jacksonville is atrocious on the ground. The Browns are likely to be using their running backs a lot. Um, it's a team that is beat not only on the ground by opposing running backs, but also through the air. Um, they're really one of the they're they're one of their top seven, I believe, in receptions allowed to opposing running backs. They're allowing a touchdown per game to opposing running backs. You start Chubb and you start Hunt here at this point. Like those two are the only two must starts ever on this offense. Uh, yeah. What about the rest of the guys? I think Baker Mayfield's a good streaming candidate this week against a very bad defense. Um, I really like Austin Hooper in this matchup. The Jacksonville has been very bad against the tight end, and I think Austin Hooper is going to shine. And then you have Jarvis Landry, Hollywood Higgins on the outside. I, I, I'm not crazy about the wide receiver options in Cleveland. I think for me, in terms of the passing game, I'm willing to start the two streamers in the streaming places, and that is Baker Mayfield and uh, – and Austin Hooper, if you're not, if you're, if you don't have a better option. Look, I understand that they've been dealing with the bad weather, so you could kind of, it's it's hard to predict how this passing offense is going to look. But there's a zero percent chance I start Baker Mayfield. 
He has two games the entire <laughs> season inside the top 20 quarterbacks. Why would you want to chase that? I mean, like you said, those last four games have been impossible. Last three games. I, I agree, but I three. mean, I'm not going to take the chance. I don't want to risk saying if it was better rather he'd be playing better. I'm going to start him here. A game where they're probably going to be running a bunch as favorites in Jacksonville. No, thank you. And Austin Hooper, on that note. That's a good point. I, I I might change my mind on Baker Mayfield after after hearing that. Austin Hooper, I know you say he's a good streamer here this week and all that. I don't disagree. It is concerning to me, though, that Austin Hooper played 67% of snaps last week to Najoku's 50 to Harrison Bryan's 58. That is a whole lot of tight end usage. It's a lot of tight ends right there. Up in there, yeah. Maybe that changes this week without the terrible weather. Time will tell. I agree Austin Hooper is a decent streaming option. I am a little scared off by the fact that all three tight ends are healthy and being used again, though. I'm not going to lie. And then what about the... Did you mention the wide receiver options? Uh, Look, you can't start Rashard Higgins, man. I know people, Hollywood Higgins, it's fun. He's being outworked by Kadero Hodge at this point. Like, there's just no way you could trust him. So please don't start Rashard Higgins. Now watch Rashard Higgins going to go off for like 100 yards and a touchdown. Jarvis Landry. (sighs) Jarvis Landry has been a joke this year, too. Like, of the options, I'd start Jarvis Landry. But he's been terrible. Like, ridiculously bad. He he hasn't topped. He topped 60 receiving yards twice all year. He has one receiving touchdown on the season. He's never been inside the top 24. Most of his games are outside the top 45. Like, And again, it's the bad weather games. But even in Cincinnati, when Baker Mayfield threw for five touchdowns, Jarvis Landry went five for 48. So I don't see how you could start Jarvis Landry with any confidence either. Again, I'm just starting the running backs, calling it a day. Let's see if this offense can actually do something in good weather to see if we could actually start these players going forward. I don't want to be the guy who's taking the risk that it will change. Let's go over to the other side. The Mike Glennon-led Jags. Um, I think the Browns defense is a great play in this game. Um, DJ Chark also out uh, this game with an injury. So you're left with Mike Conley. You're left with Keelan Cole being thrown balls by Mike Glennon. You just called Chris Um, Conley Mike Conley. That's great. Chris Conley is also out though. Yeah. Oh shit. So who else? So now Chenault so, and Cole. Chenault and, and who else is going to play? Who's going to play in the slot if Chenault's on the outside? Well, Cole is likely on the outside with another Colin Johnson probably, and then Chenault in the slot. Colin. I'm not interesting. Trusting A wide receiver named Colin. Like I get it. Who James Robinson and nobody else? Yeah, I get it. Who's Mike Glennon going to throw to? One of them is likely to have. A decent game. I don't disagree. No, I mean, Why? I don't disagree that one of them is likely to put up like eight to twelve fantasy points. Like Why? flex worthy. I don't think I don't think that's a that's written in stone at all. All right. I'm just saying I wouldn't be surprised. But I'm certainly not chasing it. Like I know Keelan no. Cole has had good games this year, but that was with Garner Minshew at quarterback. We we know how terrible Mike Lennon is. I'm not just gonna assume that sitting down on a bench for the last couple of years made him a better quarterback. Just not going to do that. So I agree. James Robinson has shown that he's basically game-proof at this point. He gets a million touches no matter the situation. Even against Pittsburgh last week, he had some success, ended as a top 24 running back. 
He's been a top 24 running back in all but two games this year. You're starting James Robinson, and that's that. Uh, Keelan Cole or Jarvis Landry? I'd probably go with Landry. Keelan Cole or um, McCole Hardman? Cole. Cole over Mecole? Cole over Mecole. All right, let's go over. And then Tyler Eifert has been getting, real quick, has been getting a bit more work in that offense, and it is a good matchup here against uh, Cleveland, but I'm not starting a tight end who hasn't been great with Mike Lennon at QB. I just had to throw that in there. Speaking of good matchups, the Colts are playing the Titans. The Titans' defense has been absolutely porous this year. It's been a fantasy frenzy, uh, their defense. So let's see if that continues. Uh, Michael Pittman is someone that Jason has been in love with um, for a while now. And Phillip Rivers has been a streamable option for the last three weeks. So the question is, do you start? Do you can even consider starting Phillip Rivers? And if you do, or even if you don't, how do you feel about Michael Pittman and the rest of these wide receivers? Phillip Rivers has quietly gotten way better over these last few weeks. His his quarterback finishes since week six. 8, 6, 28, 13, 10. That makes him a strong slash streamable start in four of six games, yeah, including good. a game against Tennessee where he ended his QB 13 and he only threw one touchdown. He threw for over 300 yards. Every other game he threw for three touchdowns besides the game where he ended his QB 28. Like that offense has been rolling of late and Phillip Rivers has been playing a lot better as the season has gone on. So I'm absolutely okay with Phillip Rivers. I'm well ahead of him than consensus. Consensus right now has him at QB 18. I have him at QB 11. I picked him up last week and started him in a league, um, and I'm just leaving him in my quarterback slot. So I'm perfectly fine with uh, Phillip Rivers streaming here against Tennessee. And you brought up Michael Pittman, how Jason loves him, and I'm on the Michael Pittman train as well. I think he's a very strong wide receiver three play here against Tennessee. Uh, the targets are a bit concerning. He only saw three targets last week, but he was lined up against Jair Alexander multiple times. But he's the clear number one option at this point. He went seven for 101 last time he played against Tennessee two weeks ago and when he's re- when he really like stepped up in that offense. So I'm absolutely okay with slotting Michael Pittman right into my wide receiver three spot because I do think he has some top 20 upside here, especially if he's able to find the end zone. Um, the backfield situation for the Colts is extremely interesting because it's basically been ride the hot hand, but we saw Jonathan Taylor get more carries than he's gotten all year last week. And, you know, when you see things like JK Dobbins breakout and Deandre Swift breakout, you start to tell yourself like, yeah, this is when the rookies start. Oh man, Jonathan Taylor, it's finally his time. I don't know how much I could really trust that. I know that I'm starting Naheem Hines regardless. I think that Naheem Hines is actually an Austin Eckler uh, type guy this year and that could be started even if Jonathan Taylor gets most of the carries. Um, But Jonathan Taylor is just a mystery to me, and I don't know whether I could trust him or not. I'm leaning towards I'm trusting him this game, though, against the poorest Titans defense. It's pretty hilarious, though, man, because right when they say Ian Rapport reports Naheem Hines is going to get the the touches in the backfield – he runs for negative two yards on two carries, and then it's Jonathan Taylor's job. Like, Taylor went 22 for 90 on the ground. Also caught four passes for 24 yards. 
he was the guy on the team. But we've seen this over and over with Indy, so there's no way you could really trust any of these guys this week as more than flex plays. Like, last time Naheem Hines played Tennessee, 12 rushes, 70 yards, 5 receptions, 45 yards, 2 touchdowns. He was the overall running back 3. But over the last 4 weeks, because this is just how the Colts backfield works, overall RB7, overall 44, overall 3, overall 37. It's an absolute roller coaster for each and every one of these guys, except Jordan Wilkins. At this point, you can't start Jordan Wilkins. But Taylor and Hines, start them at your own risk. They both have upside to be good starts this week. They both have significant downside, as we've seen, like you said, against Tennessee. Let's not forget, last time they played against Tennessee, it was Jonathan Taylor comeback, uh, Jonathan Taylor breakout party, Jonathan Taylor season. He ran for 12 rushing yards on seven rushes. So, I'm not jumping the gun here with Jonathan Taylor. I'm not giving up on Naheem Hines after what happened last time he played Tennessee. I just think these guys belong in your flex spot, and that's about it. Tennessee is a top five offense to target against running backs. So, I'm fine with them in your flex, but trusting them as anything more is stupid. What do we do about these damn Colts tight ends, man? You can't start them anymore, man. None of them, in my opinion. It's just a complete toss-up every week. Like, sure, one of them's going to catch a touchdown, probably, because Phillip Rivers just throws to his tight ends in the red zone repeatedly. But I don't know how you can start any of them with any sort of confidence. I know you score a touchdown, you're likely a tight end one. I mean, Trey Burton caught a touchdown last week against Green Bay, went two for 25. Oh, he ended as tight end 13. He didn't finish as a tight end one, despite catching a touchdown. That's a first. But that's just the way it works in Indy. And none of these guys are really separating themselves as, like, the real pass-catching option. So, and Jack Doyle also caught a touchdown. Shocking. I just, it's two tight end leagues, sure. There's just no way I'm starting these guys right now in a one tight end league. If you're in a two tight end league, stop that. Stop doing that right away. Uh, People still do it. I don't know. I don't know why, but they do. Definitely definitely don't. Definitely for sure don't. Um, Let's go to the Titans on that side. You know, it's the run funnel offense that we talked about. It's the funnel offense. Um, it's going to be A.J. Brown. Corey Davis, add him to the mix. Corey Davis has been phenomenal. Um, for He's really been the number one receiver for the Titans in terms of targets, catches, and yards. A.J. Brown is more of the big play guy and the guy that they go to in the, in the big downs. Um, how do you feel about these guys against the Colts defense that's been really good against the pass? Call me naive, Tim, but I think this could be after what we saw. Look, we saw... Six straight quarters outside of the opening drive against Indy. It was six straight quarters of the Tennessee offense being absolutely atrocious. A.J. Brown had one catch in six quarters. It was just, it'd been despicably bad. And then in the second half last week um, against Baltimore, they got going because they started utilizing Derrick Henry They started utilizing the play action almost like every single time Ryan Tannehill dropped back to pass. And they started targeting A.J. Brown on not just downfield routes, but short to intermediate routes as well. Like even the touchdown that he scored, it was like a three-yard slant, and then he just ran over seven people. He ended with four receptions and 62 yards on seven targets, the vast majority of that in the second half. We saw against Indy, he dropped a would-be 70-yard touchdown. I'm all aboard the A.J. Brown train here against Indy in what looks like a bad matchup on paper, 
what was a terrible matchup last time they faced off against each other. We love Ryan Tannehill here, the true value king. Maybe I'm just a naive soul believing in Tannehill. But from what I saw over the last half of game against Baltimore, where that offense really started to click and they made a tremendous comeback against Baltimore, I'm all aboard. Like I'm, I think Ryan Tannehill even has some uh, streaming potential here too. Like I don't, I think this is going to be a different offense than it was last time they faced Indy. It's taken some time to get going since Taylor Lewan went down, but I think they finally figured out that just running the offense through Derrick Henry could still happen, even with Taylor Lewan out. Maybe they'll get less big chunks, but Derrick Henry is still a monster. They could still use the play action. Get the ball out of Tannehill's hands quick otherwise. I think it could be a, a solid game here for the Tennessee offense. So you do you like Derrick Henry? Of course I like Derrick Henry. He's he's another one of those you start start it and forget it type guys. It's it's a little yeah. ridiculous how good he is even when he's not used in the passing game. Like it's ridiculous. The dude's just a monster. He's already over a thousand yards rushing on the season. This game shouldn't take too long. The next one, and I do also just want to say I agree about Corey Davis. The dude is just besides that donut game. Geez Louise, this guy's just been a very trustworthy wide receiver three option literally all season long. So I don't see why that would change here against Indy. For sure, Um, the Giants at the Bengals is our next game. Obviously, Joe Burrow's out, which is a big, big blow. Um. I'm not comfortable starting any Bengals wide receiver in this game. In fact, I'm not comfortable with starting the Bengals running back either, Giovanni Bernard. In fact, I don't want to start any Bengals in this game if I don't have to. That is a far cry from what it was with Joe Burrow. Are you in the same boat with me, Mike? Because the Giants defense has been shady good this year. Yeah, I'm... I am of the mold where I like to see things play out before automatically jumping in typically especially when a quarterback gets hurt like when Andy Dalton like when Dak Prescott got got hurt I wanted to see how that offense looked with Andy Dalton first before just assuming like a bunch of dumbass people did thinking oh maybe they'll even be even better with Andy Dalton because they'll focus on the running game more I can't believe that was an actual thing that people said but it actually was out there in the universe and uh, Brandon Allen is not Joe Burrow Brandon Allen had some half-decent games last year for Denver, but there's a reason why he was just signed as a depth piece for Cincinnati this year. He's getting the start over Ryan Finley because I doubt he would if Ryan Finley wasn't absolutely atrocious last week in his limited snaps. They're just like, you know what, Brandon Allen, let's see if you're better. The Giants' defense has been better than advertised this season. Uh, Joe Judge is actually operating this team right now as a team that, if in my opinion, has the best shot at winning the AFC East. You're bugging. Excuse me, NFC East. Even after even after watching Washington last night? Even after watching Washington last night. I'm I'm not buying into Dallas. I know Washington has a good defense, but I just don't trust that offense at all. I've been I've been calling Washington for like the last three weeks. Watch. I mean I th- in my, I do think it'll probably be Washington or or the Giants at this point. I'm not buying into the Eagles or Dallas, but with that being said, because that's a whole other conversation. The Giants defense has been very good. James Bradbury has been very good, and he stays on the outside. He's probably going to be shadowing T. Higgins. like And Tyler Boyd, he'll likely see a bunch of targets, but can I see a seven-catch, 58-yard 
game out of him? Absolutely. And it's not going to kill you, but it's not what you want out of Tyler Boyd. You're, it's, it's very upsetting because I don't think Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins are going to be... They were top 24 started options every single week. I don't, I don't think they'll even be... I think you'll be struggling to start them in your wide receiver three spot going forward. Maybe even your flex or end up leaving them on the bench. But you I saw agree with you in that I don't. I would not want to trust these guys this week. If I had to, Tyler Boyd would be my preference because Bradbury should be on Higgins. But I'm with you, man. It's it's rough losing Joe Burrow in that offense. You saw Boyd too, like last year. His numbers went down when Ryan Finley was playing in the game. Now I know it's not going to be Ryan Finley, but you know it is. There is something to be said about the fact that you know slot receivers usually are quarterback dependent. So keep that yeah. in mind. But it's crazy because, like, Tyler Boyd has been such a consistent piece this year. and yeah, He's been very good. That's going to that's gonna go. The fantasy gods giveth, the fantasy gods taketh, taketh away. Um, let's go over to the Giants. Real quick, real quick, the backfield. Uh, Gio oh, Bern- we didn't touch on that yet? Yeah, sorry no, about Gio that. Gio Bernard is supposed to start now. They said that uh, Zach Taylor is confident that he'll be able to play. But, man, the days of starting Gio Bernard as a – RB1 slash 2 type of guy or is also over. Now he's right there on the fringe as a RB2 flex play. I mean, with Joe Burrow, he's been outside the top 24 running backs each of the last two weeks, albeit difficult matchups. The Giants are a much better matchup. But what's stopping them from just bringing heat on every single play against Brandon Allen? And then if they trail, they're going to have to pass more. I know Bernard is involved in the passing game. I think Bernard just volume reasons has a decent shot to be a decent flex play, get you 8 to 10 points, but the upside where he was a top 10 running back back-to-back weeks in week 7 and 8, that's far gone. I uh, just I'm with you in that this Cleveland offense, I'd rather wait and see for a year, uh, excuse me, for a week and I just it's very upsetting to me because it's a very fun offense that is no longer fun. The yeah, it sucks when that happens. Uh, the Giants are up next on the docket. You've mentioned that Sterling Shepard, he's been really good since he came back. Evan Ingram has been better since Sterling Shepard came back. These are the two guys that I'm looking at in this lineup and saying, yeah, I want to start them. Darius Slayton, you know, he could pop off anytime, but you're taking a big risk because he doesn't pop off way more than he does. Um, out, of, out of these pass-catching options, I think it's, it's Shepard and Ingram for me. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. I'm also on the I'm not a Darius Slayton guy because of the up and down nature of his of his role in the offense. Like sure he could have some big games, but then the big time donuts are also mixed in there. Sterling Shepard has locked in really as a wide receiver three flex option. Um he's seen at least six or more catches in every game that he's been healthy since he returned in week seven. I think he's a very strong wide receiver three play this week against Cincy. I do agree with the tight end landscape as well that uh, Evan Ingram, if you roster him, you're likely starting him even after uh, the down game last week against Philly where you expected, excuse me, two weeks ago prior to the bye, where you expected more, but he did seem to be getting more involved in the offense prior to that game against Philly. So I agree that I'm starting Evan Ingram if I have him. My man, Wayne Gallman. Give him the back all, man. Baby. Yeah. Start him up and love it. I have him as my RB16 this week, Tim. It's not out of the question. And he has been RB16 or better for four straight weeks. 
since he's taken over as the guy. He's been RB 14, 16, 6, and 10. He scored five touchdowns in those four games, so obviously that's helped buoying his fantasy value. But against Cincinnati, where Brandon Allen is starting, the Giants are likely going to be at least in the game, if not leading. Wayne Gallman's going to get a bunch of work. And he has as good a shot as anyone to find the end zone this week. So I am all aboard the start Wayne Gallman train this week as well. If you I couldn't tell a strong RB2 play. Strong RB2 play, yeah. You're the Gallman you couldn't tell man. I, was, I was just hype-manning Michael that whole time. You were hype-manning Gallman. That's, that's how much I love Wayne Gallman. Um, anyone else in this game you want to talk about? You want to start Daniel Jones or Naskies? I think he has decent streaming appeal. Uh, I've said this many times, but that offense has been very different with Sterling Shepard. Um, in the offense, and Wayne Gallman coming on. He's top 14 over the last three weeks, three different, excuse me, over the last four weeks, three different times. So I do think he certainly has some streaming appeal here against Cincy. Uh, I have him at my QB 14. Sterling Shepard has made me respect him as a receiver a lot more this year, seeing the difference that he's made in this Giants offense. Yeah. Uh, let's go. Also, start Giants defense. Got to throw that in there. Oh, yeah, definitely start Giants defense. That's a great play this week. Um, let's go to the Chargers at the Bills. That's the next game on the docket. So much excitement around the Chargers. It's easy to forget that they're three and seven. And, yeah, right? uh, <laughs> you know, there's so much excitement. Like, they're, they're just, but they're just not winning. Yeah, they're Anthony playing the Lynn, Bills. like, I respect the guy, but he needs to be fired at this point. The dude can't win yeah. a close game. Win a close game the- for once in your life, guy. <laughs> a, a franchise that had a problem with winning the close games for a long time but now is doing so is the Bills there at 7 and 3. But the Bills defense has not been as good as advertised this season. A lot of that their improvement has come on the shoulder of Josh Allen. Let's start on the Chargers side. Um you know, in the past you'd see the Bills defense and you'd say, "Hey, I'm a little nervous, but I'm not nervous at all. I'm running Justin Herbert out there." I am definitely, definitely, definitely looking forward to starting Keenan Allen. Um, and I'd consider Mike Williams, although it's not a necessity. And if you're have, if you rostering Hunter Henry as your tight end, you probably have to start him at this point, unless you picked up a better tight end from the waiver wire, which is a long shot at this point. Maybe if you have a Jordan Reed, I'd play him instead. Um, you know, with the Chargers, I think it's lean on the guys you've been leaning on and be okay with it. I think people are just... Absolutely, because of people look way too much at win-loss record for quarterbacks, especially young quarterbacks. Justin Herbert's an absolute ridiculous stud. Yeah. Like, in my eyes, over the past five, ten years of drafts, like, it's Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, period. I don't, I, And I don't think that's crazy to say. There is a 0% chance I'm taking anyone other than Justin Herbert if I'm starting a franchise right now besides Patrick Mahomes. That's how ridiculously good this guy has been playing. And it's not like everyone. everyone's saying, like, but he has all these great weapons. No one was saying that about Phillip Rivers last year. Like, yes, he has good weapons, but these weapons are so great that he's catapulting into best rookie quarterback of all time territory. And not for nothing, like, like besides Keenan Allen, like, Mike Williams is cool. I get it. But, like, his running back's been out the whole year. Like, yeah, and he's well, done well, it with what? games without Allen, and he's done it with games without Williams. Yeah. So I agree with you. And Eckler's been out the all, the whole year. Yeah, basically. So yeah, I love me some Justin Herbert. Start him, period. The dude's an absolute monster. Keenan Allen th- at this point, too. Start him, period. Dude's an absolute monster. I traded 
a King's Ransom for Keenan Allen last week in our home league, and it was glorious. He got me 27 points, and I'm very happy with the trade. Uh, Mike Williams has shown that he's more up and down. Like we said, Herbert likes to target two guys more often than not. It's t- it's typically Henry and Keenan Allen, but Mike Williams, when he does get the targets, they're downfield. They're very strong targets. Uh, Herbert is eighth in true throw value. He caught the long touchdown last week against the Jets, which made him a top 15 options. Only four catches, though, on the game. That's the thing with Mike Williams. He's yet the top five receptions in a game this year. But because of Justin Herbert, he still has three different top 15 finishes. But outside of that, he's never finished above wide receiver 37. So it's very up and down. Against Buffalo, I don't hate starting him, but he's likely to be matched up with Tredavious White on the outside. So I do say temper your expectations with Mike Williams this week. I do think it's more a Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry type game. And we were getting lower and lower on Hunter Henry over the last couple of weeks. He's been more involved in the red zone and has caught a couple touchdowns, making him a tight end one. If that trend is going to continue, then you certainly have to start him each week. Just like every tight end, if they can score a touchdown, they'll be a tight end one. Um, this backfield is a little bit murkier because Kalen Balaj, um, looked like a good play, but he's questionable now he's hurt and Austin Eckler might come back. Um, it's, it's interesting here because if you have Austin Eckler and your team is still in the, the, the running, it's probably because you have replaced your running back very well, uh, with like, maybe say like a James Robinson or whatever. Um, and you might not need to play Eckler for those who need to play Eckler, activate him and play him. But for those who don't, it's interesting here because I don't know if you could like Eckler's never really been a guy to get a million touches anyway. And if he's coming back and he's a little rusty, you mentioned that he didn't practice. I'd be a little hesitant to play him against the bills. Well, he is practicing now, but he hasn't had like a full week of practice. And I'm, I I don't know if I have Austin Eckler, I'm probably just going to slot him in as like my. 15th running back because he has shown that he could do so much on so little in the past anyways so if Austin Eckler's back I'm likely slotting him in unless I'm like super stacked at running back if he's out which I think is more reasonable at this point but that's just my opinion I don't have like an inside source or some shit Kalen Balaj you have to start him as an RB2 against Buffalo as well who could give up points on the ground hilariously Josh Kelly was even out snapped by Tremont Pope last week so josh kelly's just completely off the radar at this point so is pope it's Sign basically either Bellage or eckler this week and i think I'm, I'm gonna play either one as rb2 whichever one is the guy um in terms of the bill side the chargers uh, continue to get defensively just like a, a chainsaw is running through them no melvin ingram as we said in the beginning of the of the program no Noah uh, Casey Hayward, which we said in the beginning of the program. So this opens up the Bills even more, particularly the passing game, particularly for Josh Allen to use his legs. I like Josh Allen as a top five quarterback as he should be ranked every single week this week. And I like Stefan Diggs, Stefan Diggs, excuse me, as a I said Stefan Diggsmore. Like what? <laughs> like Stefan Gilmore. Except Stefan Diggs as well. That's that's great. So, uh, Diggsmore. Um He's going to dig more people's graves this week because I think he has a big game. But I'm punch. 
I'm with you. Uh, you have to start Josh Allen. You have to start Stephon Diggs. I don't want to spend too much time on those two because at this point they're setting and forget it options. John Brown. John Brown is out, which is why I want to talk about Cole Beasley. Who see, is see, my? This is, I got turkey brain. So. <laughs> Cole Beasley is my wide receiver twenty six, uh, and my sleeper for this week's sleeper bust episode sneak peek. Uh, excuse me, article. And the reason for that is in the four games in which John Brown has either left early or missed the game completely, here comes the bomb. Cole Beasley is averaging over eight receptions and over 92 receiving yards. Did you hear that? You just got a fucking fantasy bomb exploded in your face. That's must start, period. I don't care if he doesn't look like a must start type of guy. He, that's a must start. Eight receptions and 92 yards, and he's, he caught a touchdown in one of those four games. So there's a chance he catches a touchdown. He's almost locked in to seven-plus receptions, locked into 80-plus receiving yards in a game that has a high Vegas implied total. Two young stud quarterbacks battling it out. I am absolutely all aboard the Cole Beasley train this week with no John Brown. I think him and Stefan Diggs are both very strong plays. Michael, you ready? Hit me. The bees knees. We're going to be saying that a lot this weekend. Just you wait. Just you um, wait. These with the running backs here, if you're still starting Devin Singletary, like, uh, hello, welcome back to week three. It's very nice to meet you. Uh, and Zach Moss, you know, he's touchdown dependent at this point. So I, he is, but I, I am a little bit higher on Zach Moss than consensus because I was going to say, I like Zach Moss this week though, because it is a good matchup. Yeah. Like you said, it's a good matchup and look, Arizona, huge letdown, terrible seven rushes, 20 yards, one catch, negative three yards. The dude ended with two fantasy points. Awful. But prior to that, mm-hmm. he was the running back 25 running back five and running back 14. Like, let's not just completely forget that Zach Moss was useful. The three prior weeks before the terrible matchup against Arizona, He's basically the lead guy at this point. Like, they split the workload, but it's always Moss now getting the majority of it. He also gets mixed in in the passing game. I think he's a strong flex play this week. RB2 uh, possibility as well. Like, I don't, like, I'm just not on the bandwagon that because they had a bad game against Arizona, you can't start Zach Moss anymore. I agree that Devlin Singletary, sorry, you got to go, but I, I think Zach Moss is not a bad option this week. How are you feeling about the rest of these bills? Do you want to talk about anyone else? No, I mean, this is a funnel offense as well. Like, they're not going to yeah. use Dawson Knox or Isaiah McKenzie will mix in here or there, but it's not like you're going to trust him. He's a gadget guy. Gabriel, right, let's da- go Gabriel Davis is more of a dart throw, but I'm not going to trust Gabriel Davis because he has a just Out of the three you just said, though, Gabriel Davis is the, the best bet. Yeah, but I still wouldn't want to trust him. Maybe DFS, but not in a yeah. season long. Let's go over to a game that is going to promise to have a whole bunch of fireworks. The 6-4 and four Las Vegas Raiders at the 3-7 and seven Atlanta Falcons. Let's start on the Raiders side because you mentioned the up-and-down nature of Nelson Aguilar. I think that this is going to be an up game. I like him in this game. I like David Carr in this game. I mean, I'm sorry, Derek Carr in this game. If I'm playing DFS this weekend, I'm going to make a lineup where I stack those two. Um, just because that's how much I liked him this week. Maybe Nelson Aguilar will be my sleeper this week in the sleeper bust article. I haven't written it out yet, but I will. Um, I love me some Nelson Aguilar this game against the Falcons, who have been completely atrocious. And the Falcons also has been giving up the most fantasy points to quarterbacks all year. So Derek Carr, yes, please, as well. Yeah, as you know, as you guys know, our 
uh, rankings are fluid. They change throughout the week. Derek Carr has been the guy that I've improved or like uh, increased my love for him as the days have gone on. Because I feel like this was a like Derek Carr in good matchups. We've seen him not do great because of the because they like to run the ball a lot and it's just the volume isn't there. But as I as I've looked more into it, Arizona is just excuse me, Atlanta is just so bad against the pass, and they're so much better against the run that I think Derek Carr is going to have to throw a bunch. And I agree with you that Nelson Aguilar is absolutely a, a very strong play this week. I have him inside my top 36 receivers. We here at Brodo have been on the Nelson Aguilar bandwagon a little bit over these last few weeks because I know the targets haven't been there, but the dude has just been super efficient. And last week against KC, he had another big game. He had eight targets. Uh, Darren Waller had seven. No one else on the team had more than two targets. Like, it was the Aguilar and Waller train, and the Falcons just continue to give up big plays uh, in the passing game. So, I agree with you. I think Carr is a very strong streaming candidate. In our home league, I just picked up Derek Carr. I'm likely going to start him. Uh, and, yeah, I think him and Aguilar are strong, and Waller, of course, are strong starts. And then, obviously, you can't start Henry Ruggs and Hunter Renfro right now. Uh, yeah, Henry Ruggs is disappointing. Uh, very disappointing. Yeah. Because uh, he looked like he had, a- after that that game against, uh, what's their name, Kansas City, it looked like they looked like a stud. I mean, Darren Waller probably could be tight end one this week without a problem. Yeah, I don't doubt that. I think that that's a possibility. Uh, Josh Jacobs as well could be RB1 this week. See, Josh Jacobs is the one I am concerned about because the Atlanta Falcons are second in the league in rushing yards allowed at only 667 through 10 games. They're only allowing six, less than 67 rushing yards per game on the year. So they are really clamping down on the running game. Most of their points given up have been through the air. They've allowed over 400 receiving yards and four receiving touchdowns, only four rushing touchdowns to opposing running backs. And Josh Jacobs has not been that guy that you could trust in the passing game. So if I roster Josh Jacobs, I am concerned that this is going to be one of those classic outside top 30 finishes that you're scratching your head like why can't Josh Jacobs be a more consistent player you have to start him because the ceiling is always there and he's been a top 15 player over these last three weeks he's become he's has become more consistent but I think this is the game where you might be a little upset with him uh, and he gives you that headache again all right Michael looks like we're betting again Josh Jacobs, top 15 running back. I'll take that. Why not? I think you're being a little generous taking top 15, but that's fine. But you didn't you didn't respond, so that's it's true. I I did. You could have said I was willing to go to top 12, but I, st- <laughs> I you know you took the first offer I threw out there. So what am I gonna do? Say no. Um, let's go over to the Falcons. Michael, this fucking wizard of the waivers this year in our home league. Just picked up Brian Hill. Todd Gurley is out. Um, this is a Raiders team that has been porous defensively as well, particularly to pass catchers. Um, let's talk about Brian Hill first. How do you feel about Brian Hill in this game? Brian Hill is almost a must-start in my opinion, man. And I know he's a backup running back, and like we've been burned by backup running backs. You expect to have a big game, and then they suck. But, man, I had Todd Gurley as my RB12. And 
because of the touchdown appeal here. And Todd Gurley, he had less snaps than Brian Hill last week. And Todd Gurley in general has been super inefficient all season long, has been buoyed by the touchdowns. And the fact of the matter is, Todd Gurley has seen the sixth most carries in the league this year on a team that is consistently trailing. (laughs) They're just going to run the ball anyways. And he has nine touchdowns on the season. So when they're close to the end zone, they're just going to run the ball anyways. And the Las Vegas Raiders are not good against the run. They've allowed over 900 rushing yards against them, uh, 12 rushing touchdowns, 473 receiving yards. Brian Hill will probably mix in in the passing game as well. Like, For if sure. anything, I think this might be a one of those scenarios where Joe Mixon, Gio Bernard, Mixon's out. Gio Bernard is better than Joe Mixon was. I think this might be one of those Gurley and Hill were splitting time. Gurley's out. Brian Hill is now a better start than Gurley was. Wow. Interesting. I will say this, Michael, because I, I mean, you're, you're operating under the assumption that when they get in the, to the goal line, they're going to run. Um, do you think that there's a chance that that was just because Todd Gurley was on the team and that with Brian Hill, there might be a different approach? Uh, I mean, maybe, but Julio Jones is banged up too. I know they're saying he's probably going to try to give it a go, but maybe he doesn't play at 100% or take some time off. I don't know. I just think this this offense has consistently handed the ball off to Todd Gurley no matter the situation in the game, despite the fact that he's been ridiculously inefficient this year as an actual running back. So I just I don't see why that would change this week with Brian Hill as the lead guy. I think he's going to be mixed in a bunch. I mean, this is a guy who's had a reception in every single game. Like prior prior to these last two, he had a reception in every single game operating as Todd Gurley's backup. So he was mixing in for pass catching work too. So he has the pass catching appeal and the rushing appeal now. I I know there's other running backs on that team that'll likely mix in a bit. Eel Smith, Quadri, Allison, whatever. Brian Hill is likely to be the guy this Sunday. So I think he's a very solid pick up and start type of guy. Um man, Julio Jones is someone that I've never, ever, 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 ever rostered in my main league. Why? Because I just cannot stand his ups and downs and another up and down here because this is a classic Julio Jones. Like um, it's going to be a game time decision. He'll probably suit up, but we've seen so many times him do this. And then where's Julio Jones after, after one quarter, where's he at? Where'd he go? Oh, he's limping off the field. And it's just always the same shit. It seems like with Julio Jones, um, so I mean you have to you have to play them, right? I mean you have you have to play them, so you're gonna play them. One person I'm excited about though is Calvin Ridley, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm with you, Tim. It's certainly frustrating. Like Julio Jones, like you said, he always does this. And then he has those games like he had against um uh, excuse me, one of those like against Minnesota where he went 137 yards and two touchdowns. And you're like, Yeah, this is why I took Jones so early. But then he has those games against New Orleans where he goes two for 39 and leaves the field with an injury. And you're like, oh, and I drafted Julio Jones. It's very upsetting. And now they're saying he's a game-time decision. At this point, he's likely to give it a go. You don't know what's going to happen in the game. Look, if you have Julio Jones, you're likely starting him because he's Julio that's Jones. The worst, that's the worst part. Yeah, because, because he could just come out and go 100 yards and a touchdown anyways. Right. So it's very frustrating, but you're likely starting him. And I agree with you. This just raises Calvin Ridley's ceiling even more. 
Uh, Ridley returned from an injury and didn't seem to have a setback against New Orleans. Ended up going 5 for 90 on 9 targets. People forget how good Calvin Ridley was playing prior to him getting banged up. Uh, Carolina and New Orleans are two of his worst games of the year. And he ended as... Like, Carolina, he got hurt. He ended as wide receiver 55. But, like, New Orleans, he went 5 for 90. And it was like, ugh, that's all he did. Like, Calvin Ridley is a must-start option when he's healthy. And with Julio Jones banged up, he has some really big upside this week. Uh, let's go over to our next... Uh, no, we, we Real quick, to mention, though, Hayden Hurst, to mention, say? Hayden Hurst and Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan's a really good start this week. Yeah. Hayden Hurst put up a donut against New Orleans. Zero. Zero. Hayden Hurst has two games as a top 10 tight end of this year. We tried warning you guys all year. If you're going to trust Hayden Hurst in your draft, don't. I mean, that's basically what we said about Hayden Hurst. Like, the love for Hayden Hurst all offseason was ridiculous. Look, if he scores a touchdown, he'll be useful. But he scored two in his, he scored three in his first six games, hasn't scored since. Like, I'm not, I really don't want to trust Hayden Hurst at all this week. That's, I mean, that's how I feel about him. I don't know why people are still, like, so hung up on Hayden Hurst. Let's go over to the next game, the 49ers at the Rams. I want to talk about Jason's guy that he's been telling you to pick up for weeks now, Jordan Reed, in this matchup on the 49ers side. I think Jordan Reed's a great play at tight end this week. Uh, I mean, look, Jordan Reed, it's a Shanahan offense. I'm just going to quote what Jason would be saying if he was on the podcast. It's a Shanahan offense. He gets all the work. It's not like Ross Dwelly is going to take the targets from him. <laughs> They've played together all year, and it's been Jordan Reed. So just pick up Reed and start him. <laughs> I'm a solid Jason, right? You guys do solid impressions of one another. <laughs> solid. With that being said, Jason has Jordan Reed as his tight end four. So he's not joking around with his love for Jordan Reed. Wow. Shit. I have him as my tight end 12. Uh, excuse me, my tight end 11. We're significantly ahead of expert consensus ranking. But in a game against the Rams with that lockdown secondary, like Jalen Ramsey and company, those guys aren't going to be on Jordan Reed. So I, I, in what seems like a bad matchup, I don't hate the idea of starting Reed. He has a good shot, as good a shot as anyone on that team to find the end zone. So, yeah, I, I agree with Jason in that you, Jordan Reed, is certainly a good, a good streaming option this week. Hey, Debo, welcome back. You get Jalen Ramsey. Have fun with that. Um, yeah. So Debo Samuel coming back. Yeah, not so much fun. I wouldn't start him in this matchup. I would even stay away from Brandon Ayuk, who's still designated COVID IR. I don't know what's going on with him. I think, I think he's. Oh, you're right. Yeah, he could miss week 12. Jeez Louise. Yeah, he's he's still designated there, but he could come back. Um, I Really, in short, I'm not trying to start any wide receivers uh, for the 49ers against this defense. Yeah, dude. This Rams secondary is monstrosity. This defense in general against the pass has just been so damn good all season. Like, Tom Brady had a decent first half against them last week, and then in the second half, it was a joke. Like, Tom Brady cannot do anything against them. Like, Antonio Brown saw 13 targets and was hardly a viable start for fantasy purposes. Like, Mike Evans ended up A.J. Browning his way into the end zone, just trucking over people. Otherwise, he would have had a disappointing game. Chris Godwin had a rather disappointing game, besides, despite the fact that Tom Brady dropped back the pass like 45 times. And despite the fact that the slot receiver is actually a kind of a, a good matchup. Yeah, so I'm with you in that. 
these guys, Crowder, I mean, excuse me, I said Crowder, uh, Debo or Ayuk, like if only one of them is in, like if it's only Debo, maybe he garners some more appeal. But I mean, I'd stick them in my flex if at best. Otherwise, it's just like you can't really, you can't really trust these guys as top 36 options this week, even though they were, I mean, Ayuk saw double digit targets back to back weeks and he's been playing well. Debo played well before his injury. It's just that's how good the Rams secondary is at this point. I just really don't want to trust these guys. Um, yeah, yeah, totally agree. Um, let's talk the about the field is just as yeah, yeah. Let's too, talk about yo. the 49ers. Yeah, like I, I was gonna say, like I, I, that pause was me like thinking about which one of these running backs do I start with? I don't yeah. know. Fucking 49ers, just every single week, man. Just geez, Louise, give us some clarity earlier in the week for once. What's going on with Mostert, bro? This guy is still out fucking guy, bro. Like, yeah. damn it. It seems like, in my opinion, that Mostert will... I think he'll probably give it a go because Tevin Coleman has now been ruled out. They were both... Uh, or was it Jeff... Was he even active? Or was it Jeff Wilson was activated off the injured IR and Raheem Mostert? Now Tevin Coleman, who's back, is also ruled out this week. It's, it's a mess. We literally have no idea. And as always with this damn team... They're, they're playing a 4 o'clock game, so you're kind of screwed with your running backs, and it sucks unless they give you more clarity prior to the 1 o'clock Sunday games. Who are you going to start? Yeah, if Raheem Mostert's active, I'm starting him as an RB2, period. The dude has just Gotta. been too good. Yeah. You have to start him as an RB2 if active. That's just the way it's been Raheem Mostert. If he's inactive, maybe Jeff Wilson's active, and then it's uh, at Wilson and McKinnon, or then it's only McKinnon. McKinnon. Yeah, I would say McKinnon's my favorite in that sense. Yeah, I think McKinnon would then be... I I, I don't think he's a locked and loaded uh, RB2. I think he's more of a flex play because you just never know with that offense. Remember the whole uh, tired legs saga? And then the next week, he was the guy over Jermichael Hasty. It's just that that backfield is just so murky right now. This is one of those things where you just keep an eye on the, on the uh, rankings because they'll certainly change based on what's going on. But at, at this point, it's f- pretty frustrating. But if Raheem Mostert plays, then you've got to be happy about it if you have him because he's been out for a while, and every single time he plays, the dude's an absolute monster. Speaking of frustrating, the Rams. Um, the Rams, you know, I, I mentioned this on the Monday podcast. I mean, yeah, that, you know, the Rams are so good at making their offense face the defense and get and have and, and take advantage of the weaknesses of the defense they're, they're playing. And I think you saw that last week when they were playing a defense that they knew were going to get to the quarterback quickly. They got the ball out really quick to their wide receivers. Bada boom, bomb, 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 bomb. Jared Goff had a great game. Robert Woods had a great game. And um, Cooper Cup had a great game. The 49ers also have a pretty good pass rush. So you could see the offense getting involved that way. Um but the previous three games or so, in particular, the, the previous game before last, Robert Woods and Cooper Cuff saw the field half the time. So I think the question goes, how how much can you can you trust these Rams receivers? Yeah, well, it was Cup who saw 53% of snaps a couple of weeks ago. Woods and Reynolds were both at 80%. But then this oh, okay. past week, Cooper Cup saw 13 targets. He had the huge game, but he also saw 72% of the snaps. Woods saw 94. Reynolds saw 90. So that little bit of 12 personnel from last year where Cup would step off the field, 
is coming back a little bit. We saw Van Jefferson even catch a touchdown, his first NFL TD. Mm-hmm. And you never it, that's just the thing with this offense. You never know how it's going to go. Like I thought they were going to struggle against Tampa Bay and that was the complete opposite of what happened. Like Sean McVay sees that Tampa Bay has a stout front 7 and they're likely more beatable through the air, so he drops back Jared Goff over and over and over on quick passes. Crossing pattern. They just dominated them that way. And Yeah, and I mean the 49ers defense is is decent, but they're banged up. They haven't really shined anywhere so you don't know how they're going to try to attack this team at this point like woods and cup you start them as wide receiver twos because as we saw last week the ceiling is there if they are going to be getting the targets you just don't know week in week out how it's going to go and that's just how this rams offense has been this year and i prefer woods to cup because woods just continues to be the more trustworthy option that's how it's been dating back to last season as well uh, even if Cooper Cup sometimes may have a higher ceiling. But, I mean, Cooper Cup isn't even, like, the touchdown king this year either. Like, he scored double-digit touchdowns last year, and he was the guy catching touchdowns for the Rams. He only has two this year. Like, And Robert Woods is the guy catching touchdowns along with getting yards. He has six touchdowns this year. So it's just, it's it's certainly frustrating, but then you see the upside that they showed last week, and you lick your chops, and... That's basically what you got to do. Just stick him in your lineup as wide receiver two and hope that it, it's a good day for the Los Angeles Rams pass, passing game. What about Tyler Higby? You mentioned this uh, this offense shifting again. Uh, Gerald Everett as well. How do you feel about these two tight ends? Yeah, they're both basically splitting pass catching work at this point, so there's no way you could start either of them. Jared Goff? Uh, Jared Goff is a, again, a decent streaming option, um, but you never know with this offense how it's going to go. And even in games where it seems like he has a great matchup, he'll slack because they take a big lead or something, or they just rush for touchdowns. And that's how it's going all year with Jared Goff. I mean, he ended as a quarterback three last year. Prior to that four-game stretch, he didn't even top the fi- he didn't even end as a top fifteen quarterback. So I'd rather not trust Jared Goff this week. I I think he's a better two QB. Uh, candidate here, but again, I wouldn't be shocked if the passing offense has a big game coming off of uh, what they did last week. Maybe they try to keep that rolling. All right, let's go to the next game. I'm and gonna tell you this start right now. a single running back, please. Don't start Henderson. Don't oh, start Akers. Don't the, start Brown. Like I don't care. One of them is likely to find the end zone at some point. Sure, I don't care. I don't see how you could start any of these guys with confidence because if they don't find the end zone, they're getting you like four points. It's crazy at this point. Okay. Let's go to the next game. The Saints at the Broncos. I think the best player in this game is the Saints defense. <laughs> I have a I have a feeling that the Saints are on the Saints defense is going to outscore the Broncos offense in this game. The Saints defense has been absolutely rolling. They've been a fucking dominant force the last few games. The Broncos offense has been a pile of dog shit. And that combination, steamroller plus dog shit Equals flat dog shit. Um, why don't you pick it up, man? This is why there's shit all over the streets. Nobody picks up their dog shit anymore. Let's start the Broncos side because I, this should be quick. Don't start anyone. I think if there's anyone that you could start, um, it's going to be Noah Fant because Noah Fant. he'll score a touchdown when the Saints are up 38-0. 
Um, I really think it's that kind of game. I don't want. I don't. I'm not starting Melgo. I can't depend on Lindsey. I don't want anything to do with Drew Locke. Jerry Judy's a rookie. Tim Patrick is uh, below average talent wise, and I don't see him doing anything against this secondary that's been on fire. And Noah Fant is the only one that I can see maybe doing something eventually after the slaughter. So that's my opinion on this, Michael. What's yours? Yeah. So I'm. Uh, I agree with you generally. I don't want to start anyone from this game. If I had to, on the Broncos, on the on Broncos, the Bron- yeah, yeah. Thanks for clarifying. Uh, Tim Patrick is the guy, and the reason I say that, despite the flashiness of Jerry Judy, and maybe you want to uh, start Melgo after his big game last week. I don't know if you know this, Tim. I'm sure the majority of people in this world don't know this, but six of the last seven weeks, Tim Patrick has been a top 36 receiver. I can guarantee you that the majority of people in the world has no fucking idea what you're talking about. Yeah, sure, probably. But six weeks of seven, a top 36 receiver, dude. Like that is a wide receiver three finish or better almost every single game for a seven-week stretch. Like that doesn't happen by accident. He's Drew Locke's favorite downfield guy, and it just... It works. That combo has been working. It's it's not even like he's getting a lot of targets. Uh, excuse me, like a lot of receptions. He's topped five receptions once this year. But he's been catching a few touchdowns. He's been catching deep targets. He's averaging over 15 yards per reception. So if I had to start someone, it's Tim Patrick because he's just been consistently solid for weeks now. And you can't say the same about Jerry Judy or KJ Hamler. And I am, I'm very much higher on... Patrick in expert consensus ranking. I'm equally lower on the Noah Fant in expert consensus ranking because Noah Fant has been trash now for weeks, basically. His best game was seven catches for 47 yards. And if you're super hyped about 8.2 fantasy points, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Woo! He hasn't caught a touchdown since week two. He hasn't been a top 10 option since week two because he hasn't caught a touchdown since then. He has caught more than five balls once all year. So I'm sorry. Like last week, Hayden Hurst ended with a donut against New Orleans. So why would you confidently start Noah Fant this week? It just doesn't make sense to me. Garbage time. Yeah, I mean, sure, but that's like the only way. Um, Guys, we're reaching to the point of this episode where I'm starting to become a little delirious. Just want to throw that out there. Um, The Saints, on the other hand, the Taysom... The Taysom Hill show marches in. Oh, when the Taysom Hill's marching. Dun, 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 dun. Um, it is go time for the Taysom Hill experience. Uh, Michael Thomas, yes, please. Uh, Taysom Hill, very comfortable starting him with a quarterback. Alvin Kamara is where I'm nervous. I'm not sure if I'm going to see the Alvin Kamara that I want to see. Uh, Alvin Kamara... Um, no catches for the first time in his entire career last week. This game is going to be a big test because they should have a lead against the Broncos. So the question is, do they draw up plays for Alvin Kamara, the receiver? And if they do, then there's hope. If they don't, then I am super nervous about Alvin Kamara going forward. Yeah, we discussed this a lot on the review pod, so I'll keep it short. I'm not like I'm not going to put my worry meter up to 10 just yet it's about at a four or five this will be a very telling game against denver because alvin kamara his bread and butter is the passing game 
So you really like to see him being involved there. And Denver has, they started off very strong against the running back. They have since just been dwindling week after week down the rankings, giving up more and more fantasy points to opposing running backs on the season. So it's no longer a bad matchup as it looked like through the first five or so weeks of the season. So yeah, I mean, you're starting Alvin Kamara, obviously. This is just, this is more, one of the more intriguing players to look at this week to see how it goes because after last week there are certainly some question marks and now it's time to see if uh all those question marks are warranted or not every uh anyone else you want to add to anything i said michael thomas you obviously have to start and uh i agree with like now now that he's like the guy again like it looks like Taysom hill is locked on to him you have to start him and i agree with you bro Taysom hill time if you have him, you're likely starting him as a top 10 option because why wouldn't you? We know how much running buoys quarterbacks in fantasy scoring and Taysom Hill has that very much so to his advantage. So you, you got to start him if you have Who would have thought this whole time Tim Tebow should have just signed with the Saints? <laughs> it makes sense. Tim Tebow, Saints. Hmm. Oh, that's pretty would've, funny. Yeah. Would have made sense. <laughs> Um, let's go on. Uh, uh, we should we should mention Emmanuel Sanders, who did score a touchdown last game. Is he worth a flyer? Uh, five targets as well. I think he has some flex appeal. Um, but I don't I don't really want to. Again, I I think Kamara's pass catching is going to factor in again this week. So I don't want the third pass caption option or fourth if Jared Cook gets more targets. Um, I don't want that option starting on my fantasy team. And Jared Cook at this point, you can't start him either because. He's his role in that offense has just been dwindling down as well. He looks old. He does. He looks old. Uh, Chiefs at the Buccaneers. <sighs> the secondary for the Buccaneers got torched last week on quick plays, yards after catch. Quick plays, yards after catch is the name of the game for the Chiefs. Um, especially when you have Tyree Kill and McCole Hardman on the outsides. There's, I know the Bucks are a good defense, but I'm going to. St- Start Tyree Kill, Patrick Mahomes, and Travis Kelsey, the three guys I usually start with the most confidence. And I would even consider McCall Hardman because the Buccaneers do have a history of giving up some long plays. What do you think about that? Uh, I don't hate the idea of chasing a big play if Sammy Watkins wasn't returning, but he is now. You know, um, you know, it's like, Michael, thank you for keeping me honest today. <laughs> and, I know I forget names sometimes, but I, this is ridiculous. <laughs> uh, and Sammy Watkins, folks. It's not week one, so you can't start him. Um, I'm with you. The Chiefs are one of the more easier teams to discuss when it comes to fantasy because somehow it's always the same exact guys. Uh, Mahomes, Hill, Kelsey in the passing game. You start those three happily, and I agree. They just got absolutely torched by the Rams last week on quick passes and such, and Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes have really boosted that. This year in their offense, Patrick Mahomes is getting the rid of the ball a lot faster. Like we're used to Patrick Mahomes with those huge splash plays downfield over and over. That has actually not been the case this year. It's a lot more short to intermediate routes, get the ball out of his hands quick because teams are playing more deep coverage against the Chiefs. And if last week was any indication with the Rams, the Chiefs will have success doing that again this week. So I agree. You start Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey in the passing game and... CEH, too. Um, I didn't let you do the transition to the running back, but CEH really, uh, he had two touchdowns last week. His touchdowns are finally matching his rushing numbers. Um, He's getting valuable touches in that offense, and 
he's clearly the guy over Bell and Daryl Williams at this point. So start him as a RB2 weekly. Not a coincidence. I feel like that Le'Veon Bell was, start, was signed and CEH stepped his game up. Don't think that's a coincidence at all. Um, that's what happens when people are motivated. Just like Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love, am I right? Oh, Tim, Tim, Tim. I'm, you're what? not gonna you're not gonna convince me that Aaron Rodgers is better this year because they drafted Jordan Love. It's because they opened up the playbook and they're letting him throw the ball around the field. <laughs> Hater. <laughs> not of Aaron um, Rodgers, just of you. <laughs> <laughs> Buccaneers. The best matchup on paper here is uh Chris Godwin in terms of the wide receivers. Antonio Brown seems like Tom Brady loves throwing to him. That would concern me if yeah. I roster Chris Godwin, if I'm a manager of Mike Evans. Mike Evans seems like has to find the end zone in order to be relevant. So how are you grading out these wide receivers? I am buying into the true value model here, which okay. shows, actually, this may surprise you, but Antonio Brown at number 12 because he has joined that team and has seen through three games 26 targets. Uh, immediately just getting a bunch of work. Uh, Chris Godwin at 23 and Mike Evans at 38. That's how I rank them this week. Godwin, Brown, Evans. Look, we could argue all day about if it's smart. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. You're ranking them Godwin, Brown, Evans or Brown, oh, Godwin, me. Evans? Yeah, good catch. Brown, Godwin, Evans. Okay. Um, We could argue all day if it's smart that they brought in Antonio Brown and that they're trying to utilize him so much. And Tom Brady has struggled a little bit. I think he, he may be trying to force it to Brown too much. They're, like He had 13 targets last week and ended with 57 receiving yards. A lot of those receptions were just at the line of scrimmage too, like trying to get the ball in Antonio Brown's hands. And like Antonio Brown is good, but he's also old at this point and just joining into the offense. And I'm not saying Antonio Brown isn't a good player anymore at this point. It's just odd to me that they are trying to involve him this much. He's even playing less snaps than Godwin and Evans are and still 21 targets over these last two weeks. And it is concerning to me. I think it's Brady, bro. I think it's Brady. I think it's it's not. I don't think they're trying to get him involved. I think Brady loves throwing to him. Maybe, but it's also concerning to me because he was mixing in in the slot a bunch too. Like, and that's typically Chris Godwin's area. Like, Chris Godwin saw 10 targets last week, but it's because they threw a bunch. And yeah, he went 7 for 53 and found the end zone but it was because he was left wide open and then made an acrobatic jump over the defender to just get the ball into the end zone. Otherwise, if he doesn't catch the touchdown there, seven catches for 53 yards is a huge letdown. I mean, I'm, I like Chris Godwin as a player. I'm going to play him. Like I have them right now because it's just a toss up each week with these three so far, but I'm following true values, 21, 22 and 23 in my rankings because Mike Evans also like, true values say he should be doing worse, but Mike Evans has also consistently been a very good wide receiver, and, like, people don't want to admit that. And he has 7 of 11 games as a top 30 wide receiver this year. Like, that's not as inconsistent as people make him seem. And he is the red zone target for that team. He has eight touchdowns this year. So it's just that's how the Tampa Bay offense is working right now, man. Like, you start Brown and Godwin as wide receiver twos and Evans, I suppose, and you hope that they have a good game because, and it could be either of their weeks, any week at this point. Yeah. Um, 
Tom Brady does have all these weapons at his disposal, so whoever's weak it is will be will be obviously getting the passes from Tom Brady. Uh, we mentioned that Tom Brady is going to be a great play because of these things. How do you feel about Tom Brady in this matchup? I mean, Tom Brady is very up and down, man. Like last week, I had him ranked as like my 18th quarterback when his expert consensus ranking was like QB8. He ended as QB19. That was one of the reasons why I ended up like as a top 15 ranker for QBs last week. And this week against KC, I'm buying into it a bit more um, because the KC pass defense is not as daunting as the Los Angeles Rams pass defense. And they're coming off a loss. I do expect them to be going hard looking for a win because they don't want to get like they're they're straight in the middle of the playoff race and it's no guarantee they make the playoffs and they're not trying to miss the playoffs especially Tom Brady at 43 years old leaving the Patriots so I do think they're gonna really try to just go pound for pound with KC this week so I do think Tom Brady is a a strong start this time around I don't I don't I don't want to say Bruce Arians is a complete a-hole because he's not I'm gonna also Blame it on Byron Leftwich. What the fuck's going on with these running backs, man? Because all of a sudden, the Ronald Jones show, he's doing great. Look how great he is. And then last week, it was Leonard Fournette, who not for nothing wasn't even playing well. What the fuck, man? What the fuck? Yeah, man. It's <laughs> Leonard Fournette like dropped three passes, too, and then they still... Yeah, man, he him. wasn't playing well. He wasn't even playing well. I was like, yo, put Ronald Jones in this fucking game. What's wrong with you people? You're like th- that's the problem with the Buccaneers backfield though, dude. Like you you want to start Rojo or Leonard Fournette, be my guest. Like there's been times I told you to start Rojo, there's been times I told you to start Leonard Fournette. This is not one of those games. Against KC, there's literally no telling how this game is going to go or which one is going to be the guy. I don't want to start either of them. And the the more the most annoying thing is one of these guys is probably going to be like a solid play, but you don't know which one at this point. And I'm if I again, if I had put my money on it, it'd be Ronald Jones. But trusting either of these guys is more than like a flex play is just stupid at this point. And it's frustrating because it's like if it was just one of them only in the backfield, it'd be a lot more clear and it'd be a very easy start play every week. But it's it'd not. be a solid and play keeps, and it just keeps going back and forth week after week. I think that's the shittiest part. Like, yo, it's it's it would be a solid play. Um, let's go over to the next game. Go ahead, Michael. Say it. Hurry up. Hurry up. We're not up to Sunday night football. Oh, we are because the Ravens are playing on Tuesday. It's Sunday night football on MSG. Bears and the Packers are the best on TV. That's what they just regularly say. <laughs> All <laughs> right, the Bears at the Packers. It's Mitch Trubisky time. What song is that? The Mitch Trubisky song? Uh, no, I just made it up right now. Yeah, yeah. the Mitch Trubisky song. So, yeah, so it's the Mitch Trubisky song. Uh, the only problem is that uh, the Packers are pretty damn good at their pass defense, particularly Jerry Alexander. Um, usually, I would love Allen Robinson in this matchup, but it's uh, fishy here. Yeah, I have him as more of a wide receiver three this week. Based on true values, this is a positive move for his value. Switching back to Mitch Trubisky, it's grody, but that's just the way it is at this point um, in in Chicago. You're right, and that's a very difficult matchup here with Jair Alexander. And 
Allen Robinson has been more of a wide receiver three really over these past several weeks, unfortunately. Like he hasn't topped 90 yards since week five. He's only caught one touchdown over his last six games. It's pretty upsetting, but he could go off at any time. So he's a high upside wide receiver three for me, um, even in a more difficult matchup. Um, what about these other pass catching options outside? I think Jimmy Graham does take a step down with Nick Foles, but with Mitch um, Trubisky, you mean Mitch, with Mitch, from Mick, Mitch Foles? I mean Mitch Foles. <laughs> oh my God! Uh, I need coffee. Uh, what we uh, Bears? We just talk about Bears. Things. Don't start a single player, but Allen Robinson. I don't care. I am not. I don't but care. David Montgomery. I don't care how good of a matchup this is for David Montgomery. You got to care. Fine, fine. Start him as a flex if you really Thank want you. to. Hmm. But congrats. Have fun with your nine points. Like, I don't know what to tell you at this point. Uh, it's mind-boggling to me that there are actual analysts out there being paid that have been telling people to trade for David Montgomery for weeks now. Like, yeah, you're going to win your your league, folks, with someone giving you nine points a week. Good luck with that. Packers. Let's go over to that side. Uh, the Bears have been a very good defense, particularly against the quarterback. And Aaron Rodgers has been struggling the past couple weeks, uh, unlike his scorching hot start. Well, so, I mean, I wouldn't say he's struggling. He just... I, compared to his scorching hot start, he's not that crazy guy no more. Yeah, the you're last few weeks. <laughs> the last few weeks. What do you mean I'm bugging? He's over the last five weeks. He's QB 8-5-5-5-7. He even worked Indy last week, bro. Yeah, I mean, but that's not what he was before. He was QB before that. What was he? Two QB one seventeen two. seven three twenty seven. If anything, he's been even better over these last five weeks. All right. Well, I I stand corrected. Yeah, dude's um, a monster. He, I mean, he doesn't have those you know those ceiling games like he had before QB two. But I mean, this Bears defense is a good defense. No reason. I'll, I'll regardless of what I thought and how you know. No reason to sit him against the Bears defense, despite them being so good. Yeah, and the Bears are like locking down every opposing quarterback, but Aaron Rodgers has been so damn good this year. Like even against Indy, people are like, "Oh, should I sit him?" And then he got you twenty three points. Like I agree. Like if you have Aaron Rodgers, even in a difficult matchup with the way he's playing this year, it's it's crazy to sit him. Same with Devontae Adams. Like you just gotta. This guy's an absolute animal. Again. But Alan Lazard. And MVS is an interesting is an interesting thing here. How do you feel about them two? Yeah, Lazard uh, finally got back into it last week. He didn't play his full allotment of snaps. They said he was gonna, they were going to try to like ease him in. Um, he ended up only playing thirty six snaps of uh, of sixty and only went two for eighteen. Uh, so clearly not great. And then MVS on the other hand, he did see six targets, three for fifty five through the air, almost just barely had another like 50 yard touchdown if i'm choosing between the two it's mvs because chicago's a strong defense i don't think alan lazard's going to be able to like dink and dunk his way down the field i think if one of them is going to be useful it's going to be mvs catching another big touchdown uh which he's start, been doing pretty often actually start aaron jones with supreme confidence um because that's just how this offense operates you always start uh, what, aaron jones what about tanyan who had a you know, this is nice to see him have a game after that first game, and then he kind of disappeared. Uh, how do you feel about him in this game? Yeah, Robert Tunyon decided that he didn't want to be dropped off of fantasy teams. He was like, that's <laughs> it. I'm going to do well again. 
five for 44 and a touchdown against Indy, who's been locking down tight ends. But that's what happens when you have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. Like, it doesn't really matter who your opponent is if you're open or even if you're not open. If he throws you the ball, he might be able to squeeze it into you. And that's the frustrating thing with Robert Tunyon. Like, you get games against San Fran where he doesn't get targeted, one catch for five yards. But then you get games against Indy, which, again, look terrible on paper. And then he goes five for 44 and a touchdown. He's just been so up and down of late. Like, tight ends finish 5-45-18-5. Chicago's a decent matchup for tight ends. With the way the tight end landscape is, I don't hate the idea of streaming Robert Tunyon. It's just there's a really low floor there, as he's shown multiple times this year. Uh, Let's go to the Monday night game. There's a Tuesday night game this week, too, so not the last game on the docket for us. Seahawks at the Eagles. Um, to make matters worse for the Eagles in a year that just does not end if you're a Philadelphia fan, uh, especially because of the Phillies and how they suck and the Eagles and how they're sucking. I'm not sure about the Flyers. They they could win the Stanley Cup, and I'd have no fucking idea. Um, the I 76ers. Think they were good? I have no idea. Honestly, I have no clue. Um, but the Seahawks at the Eagles, Lane Johnson goes down. Likely, Lane Johnson. Likely out for uh, the year, too. Arguably the best right tackle in the league. And right tackle is becoming so much more important in the league this year because so many more uh, defensive ends are lining up on the right side to avoid left tackles because left tackles have been so good as of late. Um, and right tackles are becoming more and more important. And Lane Johnson is one of the most important right tackles in the game. Uh, he's out now as if it couldn't get any worse for the Eagles. Um, man, Carson Wentz. Not the guy we thought he was. So it's hard to put your hat on any of these passing offense, uh, passing options. Travis Fulgram, it's been a while since he's been really good. Um, I like Jalen Rager personally. I think that if someone's hitting a long one against the Seahawks who have given up a ridiculous amount of long passes, I'm, I, I had the stat in front of me. Let me pull it up in a second. Sorry about that. I should have had this. I should have had this prepared. But, ha- but has given up a ridiculous amount of long passes. I feel like Jalen Rager has a chance to hit a big one here, but you would be banking on just him hitting a big one. Yeah. They've given up, sorry, they've given up 43 passes of 20 or more yards. That is the second most in the league behind the Falcons, who's given up 47. As good as these, as this matchup is for Rager and Fulgham, there's no way you start these guys as more than a flex play. With no confidence, really. Like, I, I I, just... Look, Carson Wentz has been terrible. And this offense has just not been good, period. And I know it's a great matchup, but the Seahawks added Carlos Dunlap to their team a couple of weeks ago. And in those two games, they've gotten way more pressure on opposing quarterbacks. And the two quarterbacks have averaged 16 fantasy points against them. So not nearly as fruitful as it was prior. And Carson Wentz has really struggled with pressure. So going into a team that has been consistently getting more and more pressure as the season has gone on is not a recipe for success. So, I, I I mean, even in a great matchup for Carson Wentz, he's one of those guys I had ranked higher earlier in the week, and I've consistently started ranking him lower in my rankings. I started with him pretty damn high at, like, QB 8. And I, now I have him at, a, at QB 12. So I still think he's a decent streaming option against Seattle because I expect them to be down a lot and they're going to need to just throw the ball over and over, and it's not going to be a bad weather game. So I don't hate the idea of streaming Carson Wentz. 
It's just he's shown again over and over how bad he can be, too. So it's like, I don't want to trust him. What is that noise in the background, Tim? I don't know. <laughs> uh, Sounds like a clown okay. was going by or something. That was strange. Uh, definitely. Yeah. Honk, it may, honk, honk. Michael, how are you recording a podcast and driving by my house at the same time? Oh, snap. There's actually uh, a clown who lives around the corner. Paisito Chiquitin. Paisito Chiquitin, baby. Shout out him. Um, my my boy, Paisito uh, Chiquitin. <laughs> Paisito means clown. Um, Dallas Goddard, I feel like, is the best bet of the Eagles pass catching. Uh, you know what's crazy, man? Like, Doug Peterson doesn't even didn't even seem real happy about saying that, yeah, Carson Wentz is the guy for sure over Jalen Hurts. And it makes you think of what did they know behind the scenes about Carson Wentz to even draft Jalen Hurts in the second round. Yeah, I don't know. It's man. interesting. It's interesting. It's yeah. interesting now looking at hindsight. But Dallas Goddard, go ahead. Dallas Goddard finally came to life five for 77 and a touchdown. As long as he's seeing targets, he's going to be a top 10 tight end option, period. And I know Zach Ertz is actually supposed to return this week. Um, interested to see how many snaps he sees. Um, I don't even know if it's guaranteed he returns this week, but I think they are expecting him to come back. I wouldn't really want to trust him this week. I think he's more of a tight end, too. But Dallas Goddard, I'm certainly starting happily this week. Because um, he's just, like, at this point, you have to start Dallas Goddard. He's a talented guy, and the tight end landscape sucks. Here's a question for you, Michael. I am in a league where Austin Eckler is on the bench, but I happen to have some pretty good running backs. I have Kareem Hunt. I have Josh Jacobs. And then I have Miles Sanders. Would you start Miles Sanders this week, or would you start Austin Eckler? I I wouldn't be against starting Eckler over Sanders. I'm not gonna lie. Wow, interesting. It's been a that that team is a mess. They don't use Miles Sanders in the passing game. They give him the ball ten times in the first quarter and a half, and he rushes for a bunch of yards. And they decide they don't want to give him the ball anymore. They go down seven, and they're like, "Everyone, hold the phone. We can't run anymore." <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And that's just how it's been over and over and over. And yeah, he a couple of weeks ago he had two touchdowns stolen from him, and it would have been a huge game otherwise. Last week he lost a fumble at the four yard line. If he got in, it would have been a much different story. But things just keep not going his way, and that's not shocking with the way that offense has been operating this year. So, I mean, you're starting Miles Sanders if you have him, but it's certainly concerning. You want to talk about a good matchup? The Seattle Seahawks against the Philly pass defense. Philly's pass defense has been atrocious they've been bad and now you have monsters monsters russell wilson tyler lockett dk metcalf just non-stop and chris carson might come back in this game they suck in dvoa against the running back too they suck against the tight end they suck against everyone yeah start start russ carson metcalf and lockett like i don't think there's much else to say about that like Metcalf and Lockett each have wide receiver one overall potential each week. Russ has QB one potential. Chris Carson. Last time Chris Carson returned in a game where you didn't expect him to, he was the running back 11 overall. Like, And now he's been, they've been resting him OD to try to get him healthy. And if he plays, I expect him. I mean, they're saying he's going to play. I expect him to get his full allotment of carries. Yeah. You can start Hyde if he doesn't. Yeah, definitely start Hyde if he doesn't. The tight ends, though, I did say on the... Uh, Waiver pod. Um, what's his face? Jacob Hollister. 
is a sneaky ad here because Greg Olson is out and the tight end landscape the way it is. If one of these guys emerges, he could be useful down the stretch. And he's seeing less targets, excuse me, less snaps than Will Disley, but he had three targets at Disley's one. He had seven targets a couple games back. I'm definitely keeping an eye on Jacob Hollister and adding him to the back of my bench if I am tight end needy. Tuesday night football on Tuesday night. Yeah. It's on Tuesday and Tuesday right. Yeah, yeah. Tuesday is the day I'm singing about. Yeah, yeah. Tuesday's December 1st already. Jeez. Monday's December Ta- 1st. Tuesday. Or am I bugging? Oh, Tuesday. Yeah. Bugging. Tuesday. That's a, time is flying. Let's go and all right. So this Ravens and Steelers matchup changed a lot. Um, mostly because the entire Ravens team has COVID. Um, one of the players that have COVID is Lamar Jackson. So that means RG3 gets to start here. RG3 hasn't played in a while. RG plays when he has RG3 when he has played has sucked. So the Steelers, who are vulnerable to big plays, who are vulnerable to a home run, all of a sudden, there's no guy to deliver it. So if you're uh, if you if you're a manager of Marquise Brown and you and you are still somehow hoping for the best, that that goes down the drain. And if you're a manager of Willie Sneed and you're saying, oh, you know, I got Willie Sneed, he's been great, that's a little more likely, but still taking a step back. If you were like, oh man, Mark Andrews, he's back. All they do is throw to the tight end. Uh, you know, backup quarterbacks in the tight end. I still like Mark Andrews this this week. But everyone's in the in the in the Ravens takes a step down in a, in a good matchup that could be exposed through the air. Instead, it's going to be the Steelers who I think give RG three a lot of trouble, and who does not also forget RG three hasn't played in a long time, and the Ravens can't even open their practice facilities until Monday. Um, this has the making of a Ravens offensive flatline. Against the Steelers, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't see how you could start any of them confidently except Mark Andrews just because of the tight end landscape. It's a mess. Like, you literally, you can't start anyone. Even the running backs losing appeal. Like, even, I don't even know if Ingram and Dobbins can return. Like, that shit is still confusing to me. If they can't and it's Gus Edwards backfield, like, I'll still think he's a viable option. But he's, I'm not going to think of him as, like, a strong RB2 play anymore. I think he'll be more of a flex play with RG3 under center. It's just like with all the like everything they're going through, they're they're closing their facility till Monday at least. The backup quarterback coming in, they're coming off of a tough loss against Tennessee. No thank you for the Baltimore Ravens this week, man. Um, Baltimore, it's interesting. They've been missing Jimmy Smith for the past couple weeks. Jimmy Smith is coming back. It looks like um, Calais Campbell, he's been missing. Uh, but he's on the reserve COVID-19 list, so I don't know um, what's going on with him. Cal- Calais Campbell, oh, I'm, I'm just seeing this in the in the, like, the little slides on the side of the Baltimore Ravens injury report. Calais Campbell, after positive COVID-19 test, this virus is brutal, says says him. So interesting, Calais Campbell, a big, a big difference maker in that Ravens defense. So... I mean, in terms of the Ravens, you got to start everyone with with as much confidence as you would uh, going forward because Ravens-Steelers always ends up being a high-scoring game. And even when both games 
are in like the defensive, like when they were in their defensive primes, Ed Reavers, Troy Palomalu, even those games were high scoring because it's just so intense. And because you have greatness in a quarterback in Ben Roethlisberger, who's not afraid of the moment. So I'm comfortable uh, starting everyone in this game. I, I, I really am. I'm, I'm comfortable starting the, the regular, the regular starts. Ben, I'm, I'm okay with streaming. Uh, Deontay, Claypool, and Juju. If I, I don't know what what Juju's status is, go. but if he's he, good to go. But yeah, but if he plays, um, I, I I know he's gonna play, but I don't know what his status is, like how bad his ankle is hurting. But I'm still playing him, um, if if I have the chance. And James Conner, he, he's gonna get his 15 chances. What he does with them is up to him. And I think that without Calais Campbell, I like him a lot better than with Calais Campbell. So. That's how I'm feeling about this team. How about you, Mike? Um, yeah, it's certainly better if they're the Ravens are missing defensive players, but I'm still not. It's still a solid defense. I'm not just completely buying into a big Steelers offensive game here. They did struggle offensively against Baltimore last time they played against each other. I think this is more of a like. I don't think we're going to see ceiling games here. We could get consistent, decent games. Like I think Deontay and Claypool. They're both mid-wide receiver twos for me. Juju, more of a wide receiver three. I think Connor, more of a lower-end RB2 this week with the way he's been playing. Big Ben, I'd rather not stream. I just, like, I'm I'm starting the guys that you have to start with the way they've been playing, like Deontay and Claypool. Juju scares me a little bit, I'm not going to lie. Um, In a tough matchup, like, he's clearly the third guy in the pecking order at this point, though he has had big games recently. And James Conner has just been a like a bad player of late, so I don't really want to trust him against Baltimore. Eric Ebron actually put up the most points of the bunch. Last time they played Baltimore, he caught a touchdown. Um, again, the tight end landscape, if you catch a touchdown, you got a tight end one, and Ebron, Ebron has as good a shot as anyone to catch a touchdown each week. He had success last time he played Baltimore, so I don't hate the idea of uh, of using Ebron this week either. If I could guarantee two victories this week, guaranteed. It'd be the Steelers and it'd be the Saints. What about the, the bet, who are the I'd Jets bet playing my, against? I'm blanking. Who the Jets house. playing against? That'll be a good three, three. The, the Dolphins. That'll be a good three man parlay. Three team. Three team parlay. parlay. Yeah, three team parlay. That'd point be a good taken. Um, Michael, where can they find you? At Brodo FF Mike. You can find Jason at Brodo FF Jason. You can find me at Brodo FF Tim. Before we go, we had a little uh, turkey bowl. You thought I was going to forget, didn't you, Michael? I did not. Um, I forgot, actually. (laughs) Michael, what was the final score? Let me uh, preface this by saying my number one pick, DeAndre Swift, ended up not participating in the game. Let me now say after I... Let me preface that by saying I was was nice enough of letting Michael just swap out Carrion Johnson for him. Now let me say, Tim, after I made my excuse, it likely wouldn't have mattered anyways. Tim uh, put up 147. I put up 121. Crushed them. Tim is the 2020 inaugural Turkey Bowl winner. Crushed them. I crushed Michael in Turkey Bowl. I crushed Jason in real life. I can't stop crushing my little brothers. Someone come help me. Go get a turkey leg and start eating it during the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, that's it. Don't, don't forget to go to BrotoFantasy.com. Don't forget to go to Patreon.com slash BrotoFantasy. Thrive Fantasy. Promo code BROTO20, uh, BROTO, B-R-O-T-O-2-0, for uh, a free money match between $20 and $50, and PartyBelts.com with 15% off with the promo code B-R-O-T-O at checkout. Um, Don't forget, BROTOFANTASY.com for all our rankings and our articles.
patreon.com slash brotofanity to support the show and leave a nice review on Apple Podcasts if you are so kind. Thank you so much for sticking with us for two plus hours of fantasy talk. I love it. Peace out, everybody. Later.